episode of Two White Lights, first episode of 2021. And we started off on a good note because I had one of my favorite people, Steve DeNovi, on the podcast. And we broke down the ever-so-popular football team comparisons. We compared 11 football teams to current powerlifting coaches and teams. And it was a lot of fun to record this episode. Anytime I get to discuss two of the things I love most in this world, powerlifting and football, I'm going to have a fantastic time. And this was Steve DeNovi's brainchild, so I have to give him a lot of credit because a lot of this was his idea, and of course I had to have him on Two White Lights to discuss it. If you guys don't follow Two White Lights on Instagram, that's where you're going to see all the football team comparisons we did, the explanations, the comment section, which got insane. The comment sections got pretty spicy. Offended some people, you know, who would have thought with Two White Lights. Uh, Also just had a lot of great back and forth with these football team comparisons. So... Again, this was really fun to do. Check out Two White Lights. Get used to this type of content because we are going to be turning out content very similar. And also, get used to listening to Steve Denobi because a big announcement could be coming with Steve. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Also, we got another big announcement with Leflar Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure you are following Leflar Bros Apparel and make sure you are going to their website, checking out their merchandise, looking at their designs. Everything symbolizes strength training in some way i love their designs they're unique they're pretty and also you can save some money if you use promo code 2wl15 that's right leave 2wl10 in 2020 where it belongs because we got 2wl15 saving you more money on whatever it is you desire to purchase on leflar bros and if you don't believe us right now stop what you're doing go to leflarbros.com Buy whatever you like because everything they release is going to make you happy in some way, shape, or form. And use that promo code 2WL15 and watch you save some money. Watch yourself literally save money in front of your own eyes if you use that promo code 2WL15. And be on the lookout for more designs because the merch they've been dropping, I I, I cannot express to you how much I love it. So be sure to go on leftlarbros.com. Use that new promo code to save yourself some money. Also, go to Rivalist.net, use promo code ANGELO15, and get yourself some informed choice supplements. That green check mark is very important for all you natty guys in the USAPL, don't want to pop a drug test, getting some tainted ass pre-workout. We are informed choice supplements. Use that promo code ANGELO15 and save yourself some money. Also, go to Lift.net. I only use Stoic Gear out on the platform. They just released the white label and the green label. And people love those designs, especially the white label. I know I love them. And you can save some money if you use that promo code ANGELO10. And also be on the lookout because there may be some more colors coming soon from Stoic. I'm pretty excited to see the developments there. But yes, Stoic, use that promo code ANGELO10. Make yourself look like Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 12 when he went in through the rafters. That's what I'm trying to do for my next meet. Some people compare me to the White Power Ranger. I'll also take that comparison. But... Use that promo code ANGELO10, save 10%. Also, Notorious Lift, remember to follow them on Instagram. They release so many different designs and colors with their deadlift slippers. No slip grip is a real thing. I love using them on bench press and deadlift. And you have to follow Notorious Lift on Instagram because they give you information on when they drop certain designs or slippers. You can't just go on Notorious Lift and purchase whatever you want. It just doesn't work that way. You got to go and be on the lookout for those drops. And they do it more frequently than people think. 
They just released the best of 2020 and the highest sellers. They redid it, and people purchased, you know, the um, the Avalanche and the uh, Breast Cancer, the pink ones, the pink slippers. So be sure you guys go on Notorious Lift, their Instagram page, follow them, and be sure to look out for those drops because they are important. Also, visit twowhitelights.com and subscribe on iTunes, leave a five-star rating, leave a review. Those are important, and also, we are on Spotify as well. And without further ado, here it is, Two White Lights. And as promised, I got with me Mr. Steve Denobi. What's up? Nothing, nothing much, man. And we have our football comparisons, our powerlifting team slash coaches to NFL football team comparisons. And I got to say, this is primarily your brainchild. This is this is your idea, man. And we're in the DMs together shortly after that Joey Flex episode about uh, how I compare them to New England Patriots. And you just started rattling off other football comparisons. And I was on my couch, I think, watching football and dying. Like, dying laughing. Because of how spot on they were and how funny it would be to compare the two coaches and teams. So I got, I got to thank you for that, man. Yeah. I literally remember, I was thinking about this today, I literally, it was December 6th, because I remember that, because I was actually driving to a gym to help one of my athletes do a mock me, and right before, I, you had posted about Flex, and I think someone in the comments, or maybe you, had said, well, it would be cool to compare other teams, and so then I just started voice messaging you, and went off with every single team I could think of, and the comparisons, because I was just in my head, it's, it's Sunday, it's football day, I was missing football, because I was going to be at the gym, so I, it's just on my mind. Yeah, and I have to thank you even more for that, because... If there's something, there's nothing I like talking more than sports and powerlifting. And anytime I can combine those two things, which is funny that I said that because I said I completely separated sports from powerlifting. But anytime I can talk both of those things at once, it's just going to be a good day for me. I'm going to have a lot of fun doing it. Maybe we can start a revolution. Well, I'm not an anime hater like you because I do watch anime. You do? You don't don't strike me as an anime guy. I'm... I don't know why. I have I played World of Warcraft. I watch anime. I didn't do anime for a while. I finally got sucked into it. But whatever it is, I would be way more for powerlifting, ditching the anime like thing, and it's football or sports and powerlifting. Let's let's make that a thing. I'm down for that. Like, that actually seems to fit better, anyways, with the uh, the masculinity sometimes of powerlifting and go along with sports. I naturally assumed that was what's going to happen when I got involved in powerlifting. I was going to meet a lot of former athletes like myself who were big sports fans, and kind of the case. I mean, I'm not going to say it's not. We had some really good interactions with the football comparisons we did, and we posted on Two White Lights, but yeah, not as much as I thought. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, of all the people I coach, I think there's only like two or three people I coach that are like into sports as well that I talk to it about, which shocks me. Yeah. That's, because uh, usually lifting and sports kind of go hand in hand, especially with 
the male population in particular, women as well. But I think a lot of times women get into it for different reasons where a lot of times guys get their start because they played football in high school. Yeah, I actually, when I first started like my powerlifting page, I generated a lot of like soccer fans on my page because I used to wear, you know, the, the, like the Juve kits and the, uh, the Italia kits and everyone assumed I played soccer for the longest time. Like, Hey, I love soccer. I love talking soccer, but I'm like, Football and baseball are my primary sports that I really I mean, like you grew to talk up in about. Chicago, that's that's just natural. Yeah, yeah. Football, ba- I mean, basketball too, but like that's a football, baseball, and disappointment that goes along with Chicago sports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's very very fair. I mean, you're like you're talking in this way like you're a Chicago sports fan, but you miss one big one, and that's rooting for the St. Louis Cardinals. Which it's it's hard to have some conversations with you. It's like, well, okay, at least he's a Bears fan, but. I can't overlook the Cardinals thing. Yeah, I grew. I lived in St. Louis first. That was right when Mark McGuire was going off. Oh, went to Chicago. I mean, if they if Chicago was relevant in any way in the eight years I lived there, maybe I would have been like somewhat biased to maybe switch, but I wasn't. Like, the Cubs were terrible the was, entire time. Was that the nineties? No, uh, no, it had been two thousands. You got you guys were in the World oh, okay. Series. All right, two, was that was the year with the Marlins. All right, no, fairness. The series. It was all the year right. with the Marlins and. Yeah. In fair, all right, two thousands. Okay, I'll give you the pass on that one. The fucking Cardinals were stacked. Larusa, they were they were a great team. All right, I thought it was the nineties. I'm like Cardinals kind of suck in the nineties too, but no, not nineties, two thousands. Pujols era. Okay, yeah. All right, all right, you win. You win on that one. They were they were a fantastic team. Um, but yeah, I'd rather deal with Cardinals fans than Sox fans. I actually agree. When I was in Chicago, I hated the Sox more than the Cubs because Sox fans were just intolerant to deal with yes yes i agree um i have a we- i developed a more of a respect to cardinals than the white Sox, and it's easy to because the cardinals are actually a good franchise and the Sox are arguably worse than the cubs actually I, but yeah that's a pretty fair argument but before i like start pissing off like a bunch of weird uh <laughs> weird fans to listen to two white lights because if you're a Sox fan you're kind of a weirdo in my mind let's start these comparisons off right. now I, well, the first one we had to start with was flexing the Patriots because I made the analogy on the show and I made it, I made the analogy more as just a power lifter. Um, if you guys listen to the episode, it was just me looking at them and the feelings I had for the Patriots as a football fan and the feelings I had to flex as a power lifter. Uh, cause I made the comparison that at first I loved the Patriots because they're like this, this great story of you know, an, kind of an underdog coach and athlete getting their way to the top. And then once they started creating a dynasty, it's like, holy shit, this team's creating a dynasty. And then they became so good for such a long time that you started to hate them by default because that's what you do with the best teams. You start to hate them. You start to either be envious of their success or you just really wanted to beat them. And either your team or some other team to beat them. And that was my viewpoint with Flex. And really, I had I had to still put them as a just the Patriots through a simple football comparison because really when you look at it, since Flex got into the USAPL, and these are going to be primarily USAPL, IPF teams and coaches, when you look at it, it's like the Patriots where you know for a fact going into the competition, USAPL Raw Nationals, the Arnold, any big USAPL meet, you are going to have a flex athlete in the open 
who's either going to be really, really good and place top three or win the thing. Just like the Patriots. The Patriots could look down down in the dumps. They could look like, oh, is this the, is this a dynasty over? And then they somehow go eleven and five and win the Super Bowl. Like what the fuck? I thought they were I thought they were done. I thought when they lost to the Dolphins in week thirteen, they were done. And no, they just win the Super Bowl or in the AFC championship game or get into the Super Bowl. Similar to Flex. It's like Amanda Lawrence doesn't have a great competition at twenty nineteen. Either does Russ. And it's like, oh, is this is this the year? Is this the year they fall? And then like, oh, okay, they won. Like, lifter saves bomb out. Athlete doesn't have this big meet that, you know, we're expecting. But at the same time, they won. And that's very similar to the Patriots, in my mind. Yeah. I mean, we've kind of talked about, like, it's tough to make these comparisons because you literally probably could find a way for every one of these teams to kind of find little things. But, I mean... There is only one team in the USAPL and one team in football over the last however many years that has truly just dominated, mm-hmm. like multiple Super Bowls. Every year they're in it. Every year they're, they're you know they're going to either win it or be in the picture or be in the AFC championship. And Flux is that. Like every single year, you know they're going to be winning possibly multiple open champions, uh, USAPL Raw Nationals and world titles. And I don't think any other team can be able to stack with that in the sense of consistency year after year, at least in the sense of like the last five years when the USAPL has truly blown up. I mean, we could look at, we're going to talk a little bit later with probably like RTS who's been around a little bit longer in the sense of before raw powerlifting was, is what it was. But in the sense of like modern day, I, I don't think there is a team in the USAPL or a team in the NFL that signifies just dominance of the sport better than flex and the Patriots. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we are operating under a smaller window here, right? Because since I've been in the third grade, the Patriots were the class of the NFL. I guess since I've been in the USAPL, Flex has been the class of the USAPL. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely under a smaller window. You know, 20 years from now, we'll see if we're saying the same things. Hopefully, we're having this conversation 20 years from now. That means the sport has not died or yeah. uh, has, has, remained, has remained, remained relevant in both of our lives, which is, which is always going to be a good thing. Uh, especially for a pseudo sport, but yes, absolutely. I I just see them constantly dominating in the open weight class, in the open weight classes, and you know, and also with you know, Russ Hack, Noriega, Amanda Lawrence, Daniel, some of his former athletes, and Daniela Mello and Sean. When I I mentioned those two, and then the newer athletes that he's getting in there, it's. It, it, it is growing, too. You're not seeing him just rely on the success of Russ and Amanda. He has Jonathan Keiko, too, which kind of gets swept under the rug a little bit. But mm-hmm. he has that guy. He has Mikey D, who is a 105 contender. Um, you know, he beat out Ash and Rouska at 2019. That's, you know, a lot of, not a lot of people could say that. So he's going to be extremely dominant in 105. The young lifters he has coming up, it, it's... He is doing it in multiple ways, and he is getting his other lifters at the point where they're where they're going to be one of they're going to be contenders in their weight classes for years to come. So yeah. it's I, I think a lot of people assume because I was getting a lot of DMs of this, like, well, you know, he has just like these athletes. Like, no, it runs a little deeper than that. It run, it runs much deeper than Amanda Lawrence and Russ Orhe and. Also, they always are going to go back. They're going to tie it back to Hack and Sean and Daniela too. 
And they're like, well, those people left. I'm like, yeah, but there's there's fillers in there, too. It's not just those people. And that's part of the Patriot thing, too, is that when part of the dynasty left and moved on, I mean, you especially look at that core defense that was there for the first kind of three Super Bowls with Mike Vrabel and um, Teddy Bruschi. They left, but then they cycled in the next kind of uh, – generation and the same thing kind of happened it's kind of hack and noriega left they cycled in more and they've got more i mean two people you mentioned one delaney wallace but another one that i didn't even think about until recently until king of the list posted him but did you see cameron smith yeah he, i literally just going through his numbers and training he looks like he might win 93 kilo like he literally is going to be up there with keiko and uh connor borkert and yeah. it's just like one of those things, like it just, it, it seems never ending with the flex roster that someone's coming up and challenging for a title. Even when you see some people start kind of leaving and going different directions, there's someone else comes in and replaces it. Yeah. And he could make a really big impact in a super heavyweight division with, you know, Jesus. Um, like what, what you're starting to really spread the talent throughout those weight classes. Once you start getting to the super heavyweights and, yeah. you know, say Russ one day, is out of the 83s and he moves up to 93 or what have you. He has Delaney Wallace there. Like he's got the and he, his his training performance recently has been so good where I'm like, yeah, he's definitely going to be top 3 type guy for years to come. Mm-hmm. Um so it's it's interesting when you look at it from from that standpoint. Now from the comparison that is that that really kind of struck note in my head was when the Patriots were winning Super Bowls, people find ways to nitpick Super Bowls. They find ways to nitpick a dynasty. And it was, is Tom Brady, the famous accusation or the famous hot take is Tom Brady, a system quarterback or vice versa. Can Belichick have the same success without Brady? And I see a lot of those comparisons with flex because a lot of people often draw to the fact that he has extremely talented gift, uh, gifted lifters prior to him coaching them. He does build athletes, but a lot of people just point to, yeah, he's getting these great athletes and making them national champions. Is it really his coaching or is it more the athlete? And those are the two things I kind of see the comparisons are the criticisms they face of is, is Flex a system coach? <laughs> is is Flex not the system quarterback, but is he a system coach? And I had to throw that in there in the comparison because if, if Flex doesn't know it, this is what the people in the USAPL think. This is what lifters think. Like, this is what's the conversation that are happening in the gym or, you know, in small circles or in group chats. This is what people say. And I had to throw this in there. I do actually disagree with that. Um, that criticism, because I said this on one of my stories when I was, you know, um, going back on some hot takes, I can't honestly say without shadow of a doubt that Russ, Amanda, Keiko, Jesus, and all these lifters would be successful without flex. I can't honestly say that like it, there's no, there's not an example of me saying, yeah, this is absolutely the case. I think you can say that for a lot of lifters. In general, if you're a good lifter, you're going to be good under most coaches. And let, actually, let me rephrase that. Once we get to uh, Kevin Kahn and um, 
precision, precision powerlifting systems, that might not be the case. But I think most lifters will accomplish that. But you just can't say like, yeah, the only reason why Russ or only reason why he's successful is because of those lifters. Because I I don't have proof that if Russ left and got coaching somewhere else, he would be the same lifter. Or he would have the same success as he did in the past if he got coaching, say, under TSA or under RTS or under the strength or under uh, the strength guys. Like I can't honestly say that to a point where it's a absolute. Yep, I'm with you. I disagree with that criticism. Um, I'll give two points to that. One, I'll lead off since we were just talking about it. I, we're, I'm going to go basketball comparison. Mm-hmm. Joey would be a good comparison to Phil Jackson and his ability to manage different levels of athletes. Mm-hmm. Like he's able to take a Russ who, where you seemingly think no matter what Russ was going to be a national champion. Like he, I mean, I, that's where the criticism kind of comes from is he picked up Russ and Amanda pretty much when they were already going to be national champions, yeah. but he elevated their performance. Phil Jackson picked up Kobe and Michael when they were already going to be the goats and he elevated their performance. Yeah. Where the, definitely there's a disagreement there. It's like, if you just focus on Russ and Amanda, okay, that criticism comes there, but it's not true because I mean, one thing, I mean, probably the most impressive one he has, and I now coach him is Sean Noriega. I mean, he took Sean from a 17 year old kid to being uh, extremely competitive. Keiko wasn't anything. And he, I mean, I don't know how many pounds he added to Keiko's total. Delaney, um, Mikey D, uh, Jesus, all these guys, they weren't anything before flex. So I think it's definitely a a criticism that is the type of criticism the Patriots get where they're going to get it because they're in the limelight, but it's because people are ignorant to the fact of truly what's went into his system and building these athletes where you don't see all the other things. And yeah, Tom Brady's the staple and like, Oh, of course he's going to win with Tom Brady, but there's a lot of other things that Bill Belichick had to do to keep that going for 20 years and not see a downturn. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and like I say this with the Patriots, would those criticisms be happening if they just won three Super Bowls? If they just stopped at two or three Super Bowls? Because that's the only reason why they're getting more of it is because it's been 20 years of long continuing dominance that they yeah. get those criticisms. If it just stopped in 2008 or whatever, would it be the same? Would it be the same argument? I don't think so. I I'm think. Not. I mean, I think people when they're that successful, you have to look and be like, well, that's not possible unless something was fishy. Just like I yeah. mean, fitness. No, you can't look like that unless you're on steroids, or you can't yeah. be Ashton Ruska unless you're on steroids. Well, no, it's it's very much possible, but people are going to look to figure out how like it's not possible because they just mm-hmm. don't see that ability to happen unless someone cheats. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, very Bill Belichick move by, by Flex to get that criticism I put in there and just ride with that and post it on a story. So, uh, cause he obviously needed some bulletin board material for his coaching and his athletes because of all the nice things I said, he's like, well, wait, wait, hold on. Where's the criticism? Boom. Let me put on my story and let's have lifters gas the comments up. Um, when, when, uh, on request from me, which, um, very belichick uh, not Belichick move though, listening to anything the media says. Yes. Not Belichick at all. Yeah. Yeah, because obviously he was compared to the greatest franchise of our time. So there's nothing but compliments there. (laughs) So to focus on the one kind of like semi-negative thing is definitely a Belichick thing to just not ever be – Belichick's never happy about anything. Everything's always just whatever. So, um, 
But yeah, I think there. I guess we talk. We're going to get into more, but I think just because of the dominance between both, this was definitely the best comparison. Just for the fact that neither of these teams um, can be really compared to another team because neither te- other teams aren't as dominant to be able to have that comparison. Yeah, absolutely. And I was also thinking um, as I was doing this because, like, you went to basketball. I was thinking more college football. I was thinking um, Alabama with mm-hmm. them because. Well, Alabama's, was, I mean, Nick Saban's super Belichick-like, too. I mean, yeah. it's literally, it looks, it literally looks like they're mirror images of each other in college and pro. But here's, so here's, here's the distinction, though. One, Nick Saban has now created the Alabama identity, where people are just going to go there. It's just like, it doesn't, I don't even think it matters if they like the school or not. Nick Saban could go into a house and be like, do you want to win a national championship or do you want to play in a national championship? Then you come to Alabama. Like that's that that's as easy recruiting, and it seems to me like uh, Flex now has his brand and his identity, where it's like he's going to get young lifters. He is going to get the young lifters onto his team when they're like seventeen years old and build them from there. And that's recruiting. And Nick Saban actually shows uh, frustration with the media when they say something, or yeah. Belichick will like not care at all. Nick Saban would just yell at a reporter. And focus on the one negative thing that they said and, like, say it's rat poison and use that as bulletin board material. That, to me, is Nick Saban-like. He could say he doesn't care about the media, but he loses his shit on the media all the time. Um, and actually yells at them, where Belichick is pretty... He just... just he disregards the media more so. Um, but, yeah, I was I was thinking of the Alabama Crimson Tide when also making the comparison to Flex. Simply, simply due to the recruiting aspect you get in college football. Yeah. Yeah, if we're doing college, that would be perfect. That almost works better because, like you said, the recruiting is – that's just something with coaching in general. Is once you establish this kind of position and niche or, like, what are you doing or you have these big-level lifters, it only attracts more. It, yeah. it, becomes a, it becomes a cycle of that. I mean, you didn't go to Joe because he coaches absolutely no one that competes at nationals and has terrible deadlifters. You went to Joe because he coaches a lot of top-level people and a lot of top-level deadlifters. Mm-hmm. Like, people start to get more of that niche. So, Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, speaking of Joe, the next one we had was TSA and the Packers. I, as soon as making this comparison, I just realized (laughs) that I made myself a Green Bay Packer, which, uh, upset me for pretty much the entire day. Um, yeah, so we got TSA, Green Bay Packers, and the explanation for this one is you can both count on the Green Bay Packers and TSA to deliver a solid athlete base. Just always be extremely solid, reliable, always going to be in the conversation winning their division, or in the case having someone in the top 10 within every single weight class, possibly top three, possibly a national champion as well. And the consistency that they have and the respect they have around powerlifting is just what I think of the Green Bay Packers. Like, I'm a Bears fan, and I respect the Green Bay Packers. Like, you can't, it's like similar to the Cardinals with you. Like, as a Cubs fan, it can't be like, yeah, I, I have to respect them as an organization. They won 11 World Series. Same thing with the Packers, where they were at the beginning stages of football. They had, you know, in the 60s, they had the Lombardi years, uh, the trophies named after them. And then all throughout, everyone's like, yeah, you know what? You got you to gotta, you gotta respect the Packers, especially in the 90s and 2000s. Great franchise, always in the mix of things. You know, in the playoffs, winning the NFC North pretty much consistently. 
and possibly getting to a Super Bowl, possibly getting to an NFC Championship game. It's just the one thing that that it lacks is that that makes them not a dynasty or not like to like flex is because of a lack of just dominance in the national championships and overall wins is is what uh, TSA goes through. Yeah, um, and I think the comparison to this this goes back to like. In the grand scheme of things, me and you are newbies in this sport, but I definitely think there was there's almost like a before and after, just like there was a before the NFL when the Bears, I don't know, I forget what it's called, but when the Bears won a ton of championships when it doesn't even count because it wasn't the Super Bowl yet. Yeah. So that's that's pre like 2014 USAPL. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna talk I was gonna talk about that when Westside versus the World. I'm uh, not Westside versus Westside well, Barbell versus the Bears. Like, the, the early developments in, in yeah. the sport. We're looking at, like, the generation, like, okay, this is when powerlifting blew up and became a thing that became not mainstream, but a, a much bigger. Their TSA was one of those original teams that was dominant. It was them and DeNovo Nutrition. I don't know if do you remember DeNovo Nutrition at all. Yeah. Okay. It was them and DeNovo. You went to Nationals in 2014, 15, and a little bit in the 16. They were it. And then about 16 and 17, TSA still was very – consistent but that's when flex started rising up um and becoming kind of the dominant force it is but going mm-hmm. back to the packers tsa was there from kind of the beginning of this new generation and they've been consistent throughout they haven't really had that drop off they had their brett Favre, then they had their aaron Rodgers. um you can almost say that in the sense of like coaching too is i almost feel like like eric bodhorn used and hanny probably were kind of i don't want to say they're star coaches but they coached more of the champions i think at the beginning um and then eric kind of shifted a bit towards opening his gym and now Joe's kind of become the guy in yeah. my opinion and you kind of see that with Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers as you see the shift that they, they didn't even have like this hiccup where it slowed down they just had this steady shift of how they were able to stay consistent but kind of shifting the kind of focus of kind of how they were getting there yeah yeah absolutely and I, I said in the explanation too they're always it just seems like the Packers along with TSA are always like one to two free agent signings or draft picks away to really figuring it all out like something like what Flex has, like getting a person like Amanda Lawrence or Russ Orhi who look like they're going to be national champions regardless. They're they're stars. Like there's no they're undeniable stars that are going to win. It just seems like they never get that person. It's like it seems like it just goes to Flex. Like it could easily have been Russ goes to TSA and Amanda Lawrence goes to TSA and like boom, then you get TSA yeah. being the New England Patriots. Where I see that with the Packers. Like if they just, if they maybe one free agent signing, one um, what one draft pick away from being you know the class of the NFC for years to come. Yep, um, I mean maybe they're just one high bar squatter turned low bar squatter away from being that. Yeah, that's 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 hope so. Um, so. But yeah, I agree. And even with their national champions, like this goes back to social media. Not only is Flex winning national champions, they have the highest clout lifters winning national champions. Yeah. Like Christina Paracci won last year at nationals, but, and she's phenomenal, but she's not like a big social media personality. Like, you know, I, I, if you ask a lot of people who won in 2019, they, I'm not, they might forget her because she's not someone who is like Russ or Amanda in Mm -hmm. the sense of like social media clout. Um, so like I said, yeah, it's kind of like one of those things that they, they are always good, but sometimes some of their lifters are a little bit under the radar. Um, they don't quite have the clout sometimes as the flex team, um, but they're always there and they're always good. They've been good since the beginning. They're still good now. They're going to continue being good after. So yeah, and 
I would have to throw Bryce Lewis in there too, because um, you made you made a really good comparison with the you know the organizational structure of like people moving up and taking that spot with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, then Joe and Eric kind of. But mm-hmm. Bryce Lewis is like to me, Aaron Rodgers is the closest thing that you get to like a player coach in the NFL. It feels like he is coaching the teams at a lot of times. It's it seems like everything is going through him. Um, and I think Bryce Lewis is that guy. He's like player slash coach, um, extremely high level athlete, obviously national champion, um, and a, a world class lifter for for many years. And similar, Aaron Rodgers. Like, I think when it's all said and done, you could see him becoming a head coach. And I think under those Mike McCarthy years, I think there was a few years that Aaron Rodgers was a coach of the Green Bay Packers. Just based, based on how the Cowboys look. Yeah, based on, and also just based on how Aaron Rodgers was acting. Like, I could see him in the games, like, I think he's coaching the team. Like, he's he's doing the talking to the refs, he's doing the talking to the team where, oh, and he's just yelling outright at Mike McCarthy. Not saying Bryce Lewis does that in any way, I'm just saying that Aaron Rodgers seemed like he was usurping the power in the, the, uh, the Packard organization and being a player coach. But, yeah, absolutely. And it was also... Good that you bring up the clout aspect too of things because I think I think like the Packers they like the Packers are not in a big city so and they don't make a fuss about a lot. When Bryce you, is more anti, even though he's big on social media, he's kind of like anti-social media to an extent. Like he he doesn't I, I, he doesn't seem to be like all about clout. Where, yeah, not saying Joey is, but Joey definitely is more about social media than than Bryce and Hanny and Eric and Joe are. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think I actually think Flex would uh, admit that that he does you know care about that aspect of it too. Um, hence why he gassed up you know comments that he was in uh, for two white lights. But yeah, and then really when you look at the athletes too, I think because when you got you know Eric Lapointe, Kyle Power. Like, those guys are excellent lifters. You know, Kyle Power won the Arnold. Eric just broke the deadlift record. But they're pretty low-key about things. Actually, mm-hmm. they're super low-key on, you know, social media. But then when you look at TSA, I would say the athletes that are most known are the ones who didn't win the national championship. And sorry to, you know, bump, bump myself up a little bit here, but I get a lot of questions for being on TSA and get the coaching because I promote it a lot and I have clout as a lifter. Same thing, I mean, Pug the Goat extremely large clout following like huge yeah. so he's associated with tsa more so and uh serena abwe would be another one where they associate her with tsa and joe stanick because they're popular because mm-hmm. they actually have you know they, they talk about it a little bit more frequently because on social media when you are a lifter you find yourself crediting your coach a lot of times mentioning on your story you just see it's more you just see it more often and that, that kind of goes like when I kind of said the comparison of like Hanny to Eric and now it's Joe. That's not even because like Hanny and Eric aren't good coaches anymore. I'm not saying that at all. We're not even they're, they're all great coaches. It's just that Joe has gotten people like you and Pug who are have clout, who not only have influence on social media, you have influence of being a lifter. There's definitely some power lifters that have influence, but it's not because they're a lifter. It's for other reasons or, or whatnot. You have influence because you are a lifter. Um, people who follow you don't follow you because they think you have really, really nice calves or something, even though you might have nice calves. They follow you because you have an amazing deadlift. Yeah, I would hope so. Maybe just the calves, too. That was a weird... 
That was, a, we- that was a weird body part to point out. Guys, Cavs, we all want Cavs. I, 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 I always, I'm so egotistical and narcissistic, I was immediately thinking you're going to say my hair. I just, oh, I was no. like, oh, he's about to say my hair and about to take the compliment. But you said Cavs and it threw me a curveball, so, okay. But yeah, I agree with that. Um, like, the, the, the cloud aspect is big as far as just, like, this promotional thing of people getting coaching. And, yeah, you would have to have someone like, you know, a big national champion who has influence on the sport and also influence as a lifter to kind of take that to the next level. So, because, yeah, like I said, there are national champions under TSA that don't get talked about enough. Um, Also, uh, I hope Pani is very pleased that I compared them to the Green Bay Packers. Yes. Well, I mean, that was, I mean, while it's a great comparison, it for sure had something to do with Hanny being very obsessed with Aaron Rodgers and, um, let's let's also say one thing though. In a most recent podcast, Hanny did name drop Tom Brady on accident, comparing him to like some a greatness, and then realized why didn't I just say Aaron Rodgers? So I want to point that out because I made sure to message Hanny after I listened to that because that was one of the great moments in any TSA podcast is Hanny accidentally putting Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady above Aaron Rodgers. So yeah, well, um, yeah, this is this is probably going to drop tomorrow, but so hopefully the Packers lose today. And Aaron Rodgers lays an eggs because, yeah. Uh, us Bears, I mean, again, I mean, an inadvertent Packer myself, but um, us Bears fans see that to happen. All right. Comparison number three. We got retracted training systems to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And this is, this is one that uh, you did a lot of heavy lifting on as far as educating me because RTS I'm not too familiar with simply due to the fact that they, they remain low-key. Right, something we talked about with TSA in comparison with Flex. I don't think TSA is as low key, but they're not like Flex. RTS, I really don't see the whole social media aspect. Or as a newbie lifter to my as myself, I didn't get a whole lot of you know, uh, Mike uh, Mike T and RTS. I didn't get a whole lot of that, but I was somewhat familiar with them. And the best part of the explanation is. The Steelers have been around forever. Like, this is this is an interesting argument that I've I pro I have proposed to some people. The Steelers have been good since the nineteen seventies. Seventies, eighties, nineties, two thousands. Steelers were always a solid, solid franchise that found themselves in the playoffs, had a lot of Super Bowls in the middle, and in ways you can still consider them a better franchise than the New England Patriots. Because the Patriots have been good for twenty years. As opposed mm-hmm. to the Steelers, who've been good, who've had three coaches, three head coaches since the 1970s. Un- unbel- that's unbelievable. That's that's ridiculous. That, that that simply doesn't happen. You know, the Lions have had like 97 coaches in the past three years. Somehow they had three coaches this year. <laughs> so the fact that they've had that success for such a long time, but in a way, a, a kind of a blue collar type franchise where they don't get that same attention that the other you know that the new england patriots get or even the dallas cowboys in the 90s got they're pretty blue collar and they're low-key about things so they they fly under the radar but yeah they like same thing with rts they've been around such a long time and they're always good they are always good always in the playoffs maybe not always winning the super bowl but they're always super bowl contenders and you wouldn't be surprised if they won you know what i mean yeah I think, too, RTS, of all these teams we're talking about, we, I, I've kind of brought up this new generation of powerlifting that I'm going to call starting in 2014. 
RTS is the one that predates that. They've yeah. been around for a lot longer than that. Um, and just like the Steelers, I mean, they've won six Super Bowls. I mean, I'm feeling correct in that. Them and the Patriots have both won six, and that's mm-hmm. the most. I think that's correct. So, yeah. like you said, you could argue that Steelers are a better franchise overall than the Patriots because they've done it over the entire span of the NFL. The Patriots have just done it in this 20 years. RTS, I think, could very much have fallen into being the Bears comparison, like Westside. They could have. Yeah. But what does Mike T do? Mike T continues to renovate his theories and principles because he used to be kind of a Westside lifter and do conjugate. Yeah. Whenever he, he continually learns, renovates, changes his strategies, changes his training with new information to continue to improve so that he doesn't become the Bears who just continue to say, oh, we were good in 1985. No, every single century, they, they, they change things a little bit, and then boom, they win a Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, so I think RTS is really good in that comparison because, I mean, Mike is – he's – you call him a coach's coach. Like, every single coach – that we are talking about has learned from Mike T. He is probably the most influential coach there is in the sense of theory and principles that he's established over 20, 30 years, RPE being his most famous. But even nowadays talking about emerging strategies, I, I get weekly people asking about emerging strategies um, because he continues to renovate his systems so that he doesn't become irrelevant and be part of the past of what we used to do versus he's always making sure they're part of the future too. Yes, absolutely. And, Really, what you just bought up was something. Actually, uh, a good friend of mine messaged me because you know we got a lot of interactions on you know the comments and through the DMs of like people um, offering their opinions on this. One of my friends bought this up where you could say that they're the New England Patriots in that sense, where you're saying they could have easily been the Chicago Bears. I think they could easily be the New England Patriots because what you said. He started with conjugate, right? He was in this early days. And he transformed his identity, or he transformed his knowledge, where he was super versatile in the way he coached his athletes. That is Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick, if you ask him an offense, he knows how to run it. He knows what he knows how to w- run the triple option because he had all those years at like the Navy, right, or in the uh, Naval Academy, where he was he was like the coach. He he was. Um, I don't. He wasn't a coach there, but he grew up within that system where he's running the triple option. Then you see him fit, you know, the spread offense into his offense, a pro style offense, a gimmicky offense. Like if you ask Belichick how to run an offense or defense, he knows how because he's been in the sport for such a long time and he's learned. I don't think Flex can do that. I think. So what I'll say with that, I think the better comparison is coach to coach is Mike T is Bill Belichick versus comparing teams. That's what I would I would yeah. probably say. Um, and I think also if you ask different generations, if you ask because we kind of talked about this, RTS maybe doesn't get as much recognition because they don't just have op- just open people. Flex tends to be just juniors and open, and that's what most people pay attention. That's the cloud. RTS is really big in the Masters. They have a lot of Master National and World Champions. Mm-hmm. And if you were to ask the 30 to 50 year old age demographic, they'd probably say RTS is the best coaching team. Where if yeah. you ask that like 18 to 25 year old age demographic, they're definitely going to identify more with flex. So I think it's, it's on who you ask, but I, I very much can see the RTS to Patriots comparison, but I see even more the Mike T to Bill Belichick comparison as being really, really good. Yeah, absolutely. I would, um, I think like, yeah, I, I said that flex could possibly have gotten the Kansas city chiefs, comparison as well i just couldn't ignore the championships that was the only thing but like 
I would see him more as an Andy Reid type guy. Yeah. Where for new age lifters, he's perfect. Everyone, my in my in my opinion, everyone would like to play for Andy Reid, right? And especially the younger guys. They're like, yeah, Andy Reid's cool. Like he won't he won't just cut you for being late <laughs> to a practice before a Super Bowl. Bill Belichick will do that. I'm not saying Mike T would do that, but I'm saying the type of style. I think Flex is more of an Andy Reid type, and Mike T is that Bill Belichick type, and. Yeah, and and also if you really go through the demographic, like the age demographic, you ask a 30, 50 year old, you know, they they, they would probably still have a, a massive respect for the Patriots, but they could tell you it's like, yeah, but you didn't see the Steelers in the seventies, mm-hmm. like those teams were fucking great, and same thing, it's like, yeah, but like in the ninety, like, you know, they had Chuck Knoll, they had Bill Cowher, and then Mike Tomlin. Like, you ask a Steelers fan, it's like this is what they're used to if they're if from the ages of 30 60 years old they're you know they have a little maybe a more of a respect of what they've done in the past as opposed to re, uh, a recency bias if you will yep yeah agreed i think i like the team comparison i think when we're doing coaches like we already talked about joey is definitely a big part of joey is relating to his team and being a great friend to his athletes. And that's definitely not Bill Belichick-esque. But no. in the sense of the dominance of the team, it does represent the Patriots a bit more. So, yeah. Um, and not that Mike isn't friendly with his athletes. He's more of a Bill Belichick in the sense that you don't see him like, at least online in the sense of like, he isn't like the same as Joey is in the sense of the relationship with the athletes of how it's displayed online. So mm-hmm. that, that comparison coach to coach definitely makes sense. Yes, absolutely. All right. So number four, we have the strength guys to the Indianapolis Colts, specifically the Manning era in uh, Indianapolis Colts. An explanation, the you had to make the distinction between the Colts now and the Manning era Colts. Colts, even though the Colts now, are, in my opinion, are solid. They're 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 they seem to do the right things. They off they have times of maybe regression, but they find ways to find themselves back into it. Like. They're a solid franchise, but the Manning era Colts fits more because Taylor Atwood. Yeah. Taylor Atwood is the GOAT right now, in my opinion. Um, he is, I think, the the most the most dominant USAPL athlete. You know, Ashton Rouska might have claimed in future, but, you know, the amount of national championships and world championships Atwood has, currently he is that guy, and the success runs through him, it seems like. With the Indianapolis, with um, the the strength guys, very similar to how the the success ran through Peyton Manning and the Indianapolis Colts during the during the two thousands era. Yeah. Um, and and, think... and before I let you go with with that, it's like that those teams that Manning was quarter was the quarterback for, they had so many amazing players around him, but you know. Peyton Manning was so good, you know, arguably the most gifted quarterback of all time, arguably the best quarterback of all time, um, if you just remove Super Bowl wins from that. And I think a lot of the other athletes at times on the Colts and the strength guys can get lost in the fray because of the success of one dude. And I think that happened under Manning a lot. It's like he had some real good players in that Colts system, but, you know, he's... He's on all the commercials. He's on, you know, he's constantly on ESPN. His highlights are insane. So he gets more of the, more of the attention, if you will. Yeah. 
And I, it, that was exactly what I was going to go to and kind of why I thought Colts is the strength guys have been dominant, but Atwood kind of overshadows everything. I mean, you didn't tag any other athletes and mm-hmm. probably somewhere to me, I, even though I follow power thing really close, I can't think of two. I can think of Sean Moser and that's about it. I know they have some other world's level athletes, but I can't even think of their names. And mm-hmm. it was kind of a thing of like Taylor just kind of is so much higher in the sense of like notoriety and performance. I should say performance. Like I said, they've got other world champions are performing, but like what happens when Taylor leaves? Yeah. What happens when Manning leaves? Um, they're going to have to have something else that kind of reinvents themselves. And it's not to like put them down as not a good coaching team. I'm saying in the sense of like Taylor has kind of overshadowed everything so much that it's almost, it, it kind of takes away to an extent from everyone else, because I don't think either of us can really name a ton of other lifters. Cause it's just all Taylor. Yeah, for sure. And they do, and they do uh, turn out a lot of great athletes too. I mean, they do turn out a lot of great content too. Yeah, like like the they do release stuff, and the King of List reposted, which shows you know that's they 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 understand they have a great understanding of the sport, and they have a great understanding, and I think similar like to the Colts, where you know Tony Dungy, Tony Dungy, great coach, but then it just it gets attributed where it's you know it's Manning success as opposed to Tony Dungy's success. It's like no Tony Dungy, you know he's he was the Tampa two, he's. He's the Tampa two guy. He's the he's he's what made cover two the most like de- like most uh, most mimicked defense in the National Football League for that time was the success he had on Tampa Bay. Then when he bought to Indianapolis Colts, you know he was extremely influential in that. But I think people neglect how good of a coach he was because he coached Peyton Manning. Mm-hmm. So I I could see that comparison there as well, and I. And again, like been very similar to those Colts teams, where I guess I would say Atwood is more of the Tom Brady type. If I was going to do an athlete to uh, player comparison, it would be Atwood to Manning, um, not Atwood to I mean Atwood to Brady, not Atwood to Manning, because Super Bowls that's that's the big thing is championships. Yeah. But th- they're similar to the Packers. If they get this high profile, you know, free agent signing or draft pick. They're again. They're right there. They're going. They're they're going to be in the same conversation as Flex. Yep. If they get if they get a few guys to compliment Atwood in the lower weight classes, they will be there. Yep. Yeah. I mean, the Colts were dominant. I think just the biggest comparison is the strength guys have definitely been dominant. They're winning plenty of world champions. It's just that Taylor seems to kind of. It, from an outside perspective, anyone looking into the strength guys, you immediately say Taylor Atwood, yeah. where some other teams, you might be able to list off a couple of people that kind of embody what that team is. Strength guys have kind of, in a way, gotten whittled down to just being very, very noticed because of Taylor. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think, again, like, just to speak on the solid foundation of the Colts franchise, be able to kind of pick up the pieces and reinvent it's something that they should get more credit for, and I think that's something that uh, the straight guys can do, yeah. is to pick up the pieces and reinvent. Like, the Colts had to deal with a franchise quarterback retiring out of nowhere on them. I was like, holy shit, what do we do? Like, this is our guy. This is our number one overall pick. Um, and then had to kind of take it from there, do a good job, and the, like, and then they fill in with Phillip Rivers, and they're a 10-win team. They're 11-win team. They have a good supporting cast around them. And they're doing it with Phillip Rivers. 
And Philip Rivers, I don't think could I, I don't think could throw the ball anymore. I really don't think that. I think he's just he's 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 oh, he's re- at a point of retirement. But they're still doing it because you know they always seem to put guys in positions where they can't succeed. Yeah, for sure. All right, so TSG Indianapolis Colts, the Manning era Indianapolis Colts. Now, football comparison number five: Team Nori to the Los Angeles Rams, not the St. Louis Rams. The Los Angeles Rams. Very important specification. St. Louis Rams sucked, and that haunted me so much for all the years I lived there. Had one good year. I was not there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> they had one good year. Because they were good, I was never there. Yeah. That, that that team was that was one of my favorite teams growing up. The Marshall Falk, Mike Martz, greatest show on turf, Kurt Warner, that's Isaac Bruce. The year after that's the year I moved to Chicago. Yeah. Yeah, that team was fun to watch, man. I really enjoyed that team. But then they yeah, they sucked pretty much all years after that. But all right, Sean Noriega and, and his coaching team, because he does have coaches under him, and the Los Angeles Rams, you bought this to me, and I I really like this comparison. This is one of my favorite ones, actually, because I think it's the one that makes the most sense. Sean Noriega, it reminds me of McVay in a way. It's like he's the cool head coach who's obviously extremely smart, almost like a wonder, like a like a prodigy. Wonderkin. Yeah, yeah, like a wonder kid. And on with the freaking MIT as an engineer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, a very you know he he has this great foundation of just being a great thinker. And Adam McVay gets that all the time. I mean, Adam McVay is like, if you had a cup of coffee with Adam McVay, you're immediately going to be in a conversation of a head coaching position in the NFL. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you, you've consulted with Adam McVay? You worked under him? Like, we, we got to, this is the trend. We got to get with the trends and think about hiring this guy. He's the young coach and the cool team that I think a lot of people want to be a part of now. I think he's creating that flex type branding that is going to attract a lot of young lifters. And he is eventually going to find his footing as, you know, a, a premier coach, if not already, but a premier coach where he's going to have a ton of national championships under his belt, uh, due to the fact that people want to be a part of his coaching. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we want Sean McVay. Cause I mean, you look at Sean McVay, Everyone's trying to copy him now. Yeah. He's not only a great coach, um, he's sexy in the sense of how he does things. Yeah. He's a he's got a he, he he's an offensive mind. He's a player's coach. Everything about him makes people want to imitate him. And even though Sean might not have the following that like Russ has, Sean probably has we talked a little, I mentioned this with you, is that some people have more of an influence over lifting and some people just have more of influence on social media. Russ is more of a social media personality versus influence on lifters. Does that make sense? Yes. I like refer to Russ for lifting advice. Yeah, I referred well they 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 probably do in a sense that I don't know, it might be a little misguided. And that's not knock to Russ. I just know what happens. Well, I'm sure he gets people. Yeah. I'm saying that that's, gets, that's not the main thing people think of. Oh, Russ, yeah. I, I, I said this, I think, on a conversation with Russ and Sean, with him in the same Zoom meeting. I, I might have been, and I've said on before on the show, Noriega is the powerlifter's powerlifter, where mm-hmm. Russ is the social media's powerlifter. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. if you ask, again, I always talk about the small circles in powerlifting and the group chats in powerlifting and the conversations are had in gym. Noriega is referenced more. 
Noriega is the more known guy. We talk more about Noriega as powerlifters talking to other powerlifters. Mm-hmm. Where the guys like who talk about Russ are the guys who are getting into powerlifting who are influenced by Russ because of you know the Get Better Today merch, you know the 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 edits that Russ does, the the, the social media influence that he has. Where Noriega, we're talking about powerlifting. Yeah, we're we're, we're nuanced to the sport. That's why we're talking about Nori. McVeigh is the ultimate players coach right now. Yeah, there's a I see Andy Reid's a players coach. Like right now, that the, they're trying to. I mean, you compare me to the Cardinals. We're going to get to it. The Cardinals literally tried to copy mm-hmm. the Rams by getting Cliff Kingsbury, getting their young quarterback. It, it became a whole thing where every every franchise is now okay. We need this like 30 to 40 year old um, offensive minded coach that's coming from college football and like Lincoln Riley's Lincoln Riley's the next one everyone's wanting from Oklahoma. It became a big thing, and obviously, not only did it become a big Sean McVay became polarizing it worked yeah i mean he took the franchise it, this is actually very similar to the rams back when they had warner and all those guys they had a bunch of talent but it wasn't until they had the coach to bring the talent together that they took off yeah the rams had those guys in st louis and then the year they move they get sean McVay, and then boom they blow up because they actually have a coach that can bring it all together um and make them a super bowl worthy team mm-hmm Oh yeah, absolutely, and I and I yeah I see that a lot with Sean, and he talked about it being a copycat league. I when I had Noriega on the show first, I was like, is it because of you that everyone does a Larson press? Because after I saw you do it consistently, I see everyone at Surge do it. I see every USAPL junior to open lifter do a Larson press, and I don't think they know what they're doing. As a side to oh Noriega did it, so yeah. might as well just throw this uh, in a program. Say you bench shoes. Yeah. Yeah, uh, all, and all the, shoes. Yeah, and the sayings too. You know, like yeah. a lot, a lot of the stuff. He is like the origin of a lot of things that you see in the USAPL culturally, and like, um, I, I, I don't, I wouldn't say he's developed so much yet as coaching wise, but I think you're starting to get the trends of just the emulation of him, and and that's because people respect how good of a mind he has for powerlifting. Um, and I think the, also just looking at his athletes, it's kind of LA Rams esque where they have guys who are just developed under the Los Angeles Rams, a few free agent signings there, but they're developed under the Los Angeles Rams. Like that's, those are Rams guys. Like all the guys you mentioned, unless I'm missing like prior coaching, the guys I mentioned, uh, David Chan, beast, David Sheldon, beast. Alex Sador, young dude who looks to be well on his way to becoming a massive beast. I put Garrett Fear on there because he is the Jalen Ramsey free agent signing, where mm-hmm. this guy was a free, and he just talks all the shit in the world and <laughs> doesn't give a fuck about all the shit he talks. But he's he, he is he's taking those guys and they are Nori guys. Those guys are just not like, oh, you know, they've been lifting forever and I'm just gonna get them on my team and boom, they're gonna be national yeah. champions. Those are those are Noriega lifters. He doesn't really have anyone that, other than Garrett, that was a free agent signing. Pretty much everyone started with him and, and developed, and he's kind of mentioned that. That's and now he's that's kind of his one of his big things is he's taken all those people and developed them from rookies to where they are now, which is same thing. They drafted Garrett, Jared Goff, they had drafted Todd Gurley, um, they had drafted Aaron Donald. Um, these weren't free agent signings; they were draft picks that some like Aaron Donald wasn't. He, wasn't uh, I think it was eleventh pick, which if you're looking back now, like he should be the first pick on any draft ever. Yeah. So maybe underrated, and coaching took him to the next level. So and I think too, um, comparison of criticism. Obviously, Sean has um, some controversy sometimes. Yeah. And it, I think 
it can come from a lot of places, but I think one thing is probably some older lifters don't love Sean. I think he gets a lot of hate from kind of like the the older lifters yeah. to an extent. Yeah. And I would say Sean McVay, not like this isn't like huge, but I'm sure there's a lot of coaches that are older in the NFL that didn't love Sean McVay getting a head coaching job mm-hmm. when they were overlooked and they've been doing this for 20 years and this new guy comes around and all of a sudden is polarizing and changing everything. They're like, well, this, I've been doing this for so long. Where's my shot? Where mm-hmm. I, I'm not, I'm not that, that's, that's kind of a little bit of a reach, but I could see that kind of in a slight comparison to Sean is he kind of is this young dude that came in and kind of stole the thunder. Um, yeah. I don't yeah. know if you, you agree on that one. No, I, I agree with that. Um, in this, in the sense that, yeah, there are there are definitely people I think in the NFL and fans who look at Sean McVay, and there are I mean actually they're probably all Bears fans, the the Boomer fans, Boomer fans of the sport like look at Sean McVay and he's like this handsome dude on the sideline and he does all these innovative things and he's like the modern coach, especially when you look at the Rams like their uniforms, they look they're just a modern team, mm-hmm. the, the new stadium they play in they're just like modern they're like the team of the future is the Los Angeles Rams, and oh, yeah I think. Boomer fans in the NFL, like, kind of hate that. Like, there are a lot of guys out there who are, like, you know, strong defense, run the ball, let's do it. But what, what happened to Smash Mouth football, even though the Rams can play Smash Mouth football if they want to because they have the biggest badass ever on the defense? Maybe and also change it from older lifters to boomer slash uh, old school lifters who think they shouldn't arch and you should do all these things, like those kind of people. Those are always the people hating on Sean. There shouldn't be an narcissist cheating. Yeah. Like this, this purest mentality of old school. Like I'm yeah. sure there's not too many West Side people that love Sean. Yeah, probably well, not. Sean gets yeah child. Yeah, but Sean, because I I had I was hesitant because yeah, older lifters definitely have their things with Sean. I've I've when I had a Two White Lights episode with Sean, a lot of people that I've um, competed with in like APF which I call, like, a boomer federation, too. Um, yeah. Love APF, you know, don't get me wrong, but, you know, the age demographic when you go to meets are quite old. Um, they don't like Noriega because he's very opinionated and um, he has, has a reputation of being pompous, if you will. Um, and, I, and, I, and I think I've said that to him. It's like, yeah, you're a little bit arrogant at times. But he gets hate from everyone. And I can't find a coach who gets hate from every... <laughs> like, every single person in the sport has like if you i mean if you look at the comments fucking for the the football comparison we're gonna get later like it's young lifters it's usapl lifters it's equip lifters it's uspa lifters it's a lot it ranges the hate for sean ranges and i don't think there's a coach in the nfl and even in any aspect of football who gets that hate from every single aspect of people I can't. I can't think of one. So I no. think I think Sean's unique in that sense, where he he seems to upset pretty much everyone. So, but at the same time, terrific coach. Um, and I and I said this, and I think this is a big thing. Would any be would anyone be surprised if the Rams became the next dynasty? No, I mean they've got all the tools. They had a little bit of an injury bug. Yeah, but they've got all the tools to yeah. be back. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think there I think as far as a draft destination, free agent destination, the Rams are gonna be that team where I mean, Sean McVay is so young, he could he could create a dynasty in his late fifties. Yeah. It happens sure. to coaches. You could you could just put yourself there so often that you just create a dynasty in yeah. your older years. We didn't do it we didn't do a Saints comparison, but you can kind of see Sean McVay being the next Sean Payton. Yeah. Agreed. That's a that's that's a really good one. 
and also a pretty fair one to throw. A lot of people were asking for the Saints. I couldn't think of one for the Saints. Like, not the most identity-driven team. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I could, I mean, yeah. Noriega to the Saints. That would make sense, too. Yeah. As opposed, yeah, but, you know, let's, let's do, the like, the origin, and I think the origin is McVay. All right. So that was Nori. On to the sixth comparison. We have the Swolfesser, Marcellus, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And explanation, if you've been watching football this year, Tampa Bay Buccaneers have a have an embarrassment of riches. I almost compared them to the Chiefs because of how many talented lifters Marcellus has under him. Have an embarrassment of riches, and I, in my opinion, Marcellus has an aggressive coaching style. When I watch him handle a meets, like the numbers he calls is aggressive, and Bruce Arians is an aggressive coach. It's just, no matter what, they're throwing the ball downfield. It doesn't matter. Bruce Arians' offense throwing the ball downfield is very boom or bust, and I can see it with Marcellus, and especially with the amount of talent he has under him. It just reminds me, it reminds me of the receiving core of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now, where they have three number one receivers on the field at all times. And when I look at, like, Ashton, uh, C, uh, Jamar, that's like, you have three number ones right there. Like those, and a lot of those guys went to, went to Marcellus as opposed to, you know, what we talked about with Noriega where like they were always, aside from uh, C, C's been there for a while, but Noriega and Jamar, they've just recently uh, signed on with him. The same thing with uh, Jordan Pantone. Like they just signed on with him. Um, where he's, he's probably just like the Bucks were, he's probably the hottest free agent destination right now. Mm-hmm. And the Bucks definitely were this offseason. As I mean, once once Brady signed there, you could say once C came had his coming out party, it became this big free agent destination where everyone wanted to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, I know we kind of talk, so we debated. This was I think this is probably maybe the one we went back and forth the most on because we really debated the Chiefs. Yes, because these would fit great as well. I don't think we could have gone wrong with either one, but I think it just works because he hasn't had his national champion yet. Yes. He, it, it's just a matter of time. He's going to have it. He's yeah, going mean, to have a national title. I, it, it's, I was so close to the Chiefs because Ashton Rouska is not a national champion, but he just posted the highest IPF points, I mean, uh, good luck points of all time. So he has, he's been a national champion, though. It he was, was 93 a, national champion. What, 93 national champion? Yeah, back in 2017 or 18. Oh, yeah, you're right. So, but in the sense of being with Marcellus, and let's say 105 kilo, which is what he cares about now, he hasn't been. So, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I interrupted there. Oh, no, I mean, you could go, you could just put the comparison on now because you, you like the national champion, but you also got, you know, the highest good lift points lifter of all time. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's, and that's something. I, I don't, a lot of people would, you know, credit to national championships and the Arnold and all that stuff, or IPF Worlds, for example, like big time meets. But anytime you could have the guy who has the highest is is literally the best overall lifter that we've seen in the IPF and USAPL, like it's it's almost like a national championship. I know it's not quite there, and that was holding me back too. That was the only reason why I wanted to throw the Chiefs on them. Like the thing is holding me back. It's if we made the Chiefs comparison, I know the comments, the DMs I would have got. It's like I don't think they're there yet. And me and you, you and I both agreed, like, yeah, they're not quite there yet, so let's go with the Bucks. And I, the, the aggressive type coaching style, that's one thing that I really want to, um, like, hit home 
And that's the only reason why like, I just stayed away from Andy Reid and focused more on Bruce Arians is because I, in my opinion, Marcellus, you know, is, you know, boom or bust. It's like we're, we're, we have this number, we're going to go and try to get it. So I agree with that to an extent. No, to, to the little knowledge I have, the numbers, like, I mean, Michael C is the big one. Yeah. The numbers called obviously didn't work out. I mean, you saw Michael C. post that he's realizing that that cut is becoming increasingly, increasingly detrimental to his performance. In the sense of what they could expect in the gym, they weren't crazy numbers. It's just that that cut has really become an issue for him to where they just didn't even realize the extent that it was going to decrease performance. But I get what you're saying, because obviously... The, the criticism there is those two meets with Michael. Um, I think he's learned a lot from that in the sense of obviously kind of the, the performance change, what they're seeing with bench and whatnot. But mm-hmm. um, we, we talked back and forth of what to do with the Chiefs, and we ended up saving them. If we did this next year, I can almost guarantee Marcellus is the Chiefs. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I would say, too, he's a player's coach. And oh, so is sure. Bruce, yeah. Bruce Arians is a definite player's coach. Um, yeah. I'm not sure he's, you know, Marcellus is into the Mai Tais and the drinking of Bruce Arians <laughs> and the, uh, you know, the, just the cool time fun atmosphere of uh, Bruce Arians brings all the time. Like, let's let's discuss this over the few drinks. Let's let's discuss this game plan over, you know, a couple, a couple of cocktails. I don't think Marcellus is at that point. Fun dude, don't get me wrong. But people, people love Marcellus. I love Marcellus. I totally think you could make the comparison to the Chiefs because you see what Jamar is doing right now. You know, he's his numbers are improving. Now, 83 and 93, I think Jamar can have tremendous successes in 93. Like, the, based on the numbers he's moving, it's like, you have national championship numbers at that weight class too, but if he can make it all work for the 83s, you know, that's it's undeniable, his squat and bench. His deadlift needs some work, but that's improving too. Um, and, and I said that whole thing, once it clicks, once everything is cohesive, and I think the, the Buccaneers this season, because I think people with the Buccaneers, they're just like, they want them to be 13-3 and three and win the NFC easy. Mm-hmm. It's I mean, not that easy. It's not that easy to do that. Yeah. It takes they're a little bit. eat the first year they had LeBron. Yeah. Like, it might not happen right away. Like there's, there's some gelling and meshing and like anytime you get a new lifter, you got to learn them. Like you got to learn there's, there's things to learn. And so there takes time to gel and mesh. Um, and a lot of his lifters are new to his team. It's not like flex where he's had Russ for three years. He's had Mikey D for four or five years or whatnot. A lot of these people's are new, new to Marcellus's team. So I think the, the, the comparison to the bucks of like all these new people coming together with personalities and talent, um, is great. And, it's just a matter of time before that all meshes and becomes a dominant force. Oh yeah, for sure. And maybe, yeah, maybe the, maybe the dominant force. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, and I wouldn't be surprised if it does happen. And I just, yeah, like that's, that's one thing as a football fan and it's like a, you know, and I, where I see the comparisons where people like think the Buccaneers, like the fact that they're winning 10 games this year, or 11 games this year is a disappointment to a lot of people. It's like, it takes a little bit. This is Tom Brady's first year over there. You know, it's a lot of these guys' first year. I mean, they just got Antonio Brown. Like, and that's a hard guy to manage. You know what I mean? It's like getting all these things to over, to work for you is going to take a little bit of time where if the Bucks win the Super Bowl next year, be like, yeah, that's that makes sense. Where I think Marcellus' time could be 2021. Same thing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Because I don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl this year. Um, I think there's two or three teams more talented in the NFC. 
But 2021, I could put them, you know, top three teams. If they win a Super Bowl or make it to the Super Bowl, I won't be surprised. Same thing with Marcellus. If you go 2021 Nats, I could see, you know, Kamar breaking into the top three. I could see Michael C. definitely breaking into the top three. Um, he's already, I think he's already solidified like 74 kg number three lifter. Um, he, he's already there. And the Nash and Roska, like, I obviously see him winning. It was based on the yeah. recent performance. So, um, and then, you know, a few other lifters in there. Uh, I think, I think Jordan Pantone is like a lot of people throw her in like the highest potential in powerlifting right now, as far as females go. Um, and I think again, time to mesh, time to, time to develop like in there, because I, I still think within that weight class, there's a lot more talented lifters out there with her. But I think if you could figure it all out with her, it's like, okay, then she just going to nuke the entire competition. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. All right. Next one. This one hits close to home. Yeah. Football team that. comparison. Number seven, Steve Denovi with PRs and performance and the Arizona Cardinals. And apologies for someone who saw this within the first minute of me posting. I accidentally compared you to Scott Frost, and I have no fucking idea how that happened. I said Scott Frost at least six times, and I don't... It was the weirdest brain lapse of all time, because uh, Cliff Kingsbury is the coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Um, and I see a lot of comparisons between you and Cliff Kingsbury. I don't know where I was getting Scott Frost. I think it was because... Scott Frost and Cliff Kingsbury were discussed to be the new coach of the Nebraska Cornhuskers. And that just completely, <laughs> for some reason, overtook my thought. So, Cliff Kingsbury. I think that's more appropriate, though. Yeah. So. Yeah. This one's you. I, I mean, of all the ones, this is the one you kind of, like, it's kind of weird for me to kind of pick yeah, yeah. my own. So, this was all on you of kind of, like, figuring it out so there's not an unbiased or weird connection there well you know what i will say yeah because i mean hmm, just based on how the arizona cardinals are trending right now like i'm kind of not regretting this one just a little bit because of how they're trending it seems to be downward as opposed to upwards where the point of it was you know cliff kingsbury and the arizona cardinals at the time i'm like yeah upward trends with that we have an intelligent coach who's extremely passionate about the sport that they are in with their respective sports, Cliff Kingsbury is a football guy through and through. He, I mean, what I really got from it is Cliff Kingsbury was known for his very attractive girlfriend. My wife <laughs> is gorgeous. So I took great compliment to this and thought it was a perfect analogy. And and Cliff Kingsbury is he's kind of a fox himself. Let's be, let's be well, thank you. Yeah, let's be, be real here. Cliff Kingsbury is known just for his looks in his modern home. And he's like a trophy husband, if you will. So you got to throw that in there. Yeah, again, spot on. So, um, but yeah, I, I like this comparison. I can get where, like, eh, I mean, they're not these other teams we're talking about, but I took zero offense to that. I like the comparison. Yeah. Um, I have been coaching for a little while. I think in kind of like the the niche circles I was kind of known. Like, you've known me for a while. Yeah. I talked to Sean for a while. I talked to all these people for a while, but it wasn't until Sean, I started coaching Sean, that, like, okay, now, like, yeah. I'm definitely more well known because Sean changed everything because of being Sean and having the polarizing figure he is. Um, and then that opens up a lot of doors of what the team kind of can grow from here because it just, it, it got me on a lot more people's radars because of that. And just like Cliff King Bear and Kyler Murray, as they develop, it's going to attract more attention because you're going to want to be a part of the, I mean, they're the next in sense Rams. They're copying the same model of having this yeah. young offensive minded coach 
their uh, brand new quarterback they drafted number one overall. Um, and the comparison almost links up to of me and Sean, him being the Rams, me being the Cardinals and having that direct comparison too. I think the only one, if we were to do them over, there is one that kind of makes sense to me. And that's the Buffalo Bills. Okay. That wouldn't be the worst comparison. It's a very similar comparison of up and coming. It almost makes the comparison of Sean because the Buffalo Bills got second a couple times to the Dallas Cowboys, and they're looking to be number one now. Yeah. And they've got this, they've got their stud that's going to hopefully bring them to be number one. And it looks like they, I mean, in the future, it looks like the Bills are going to be a Super Bowl team based off of their current setup. But with that being said, I think either or could have definitely worked. Yeah. You know what? I might have just done the Bills based on how much I like them because I love the, I mean, like, you know, I'm a Bears fan, of course, but, you know, if I'm rooting for a team to win a Super Bowl, it's definitely the Bills this year. Um, and I don't know if, I don't know if, uh, your fan base is as awesome as the Bills Mafia. I don't know if, um, at, at, uh, at, at your, at your gym, if they're going through tables just randomly and having, you know, insane, uh, uh, tailgate parties. Yeah, maybe, who knows? Maybe she's, uh, just, you know, elbow dropping a, a plastic table. Um, but yeah, I, I like that one. I, I, I like both of those. And with the, with the, um, the Cardinals comparison and what you just brought up, yeah, I you you refer to yourself as a niche coach, and I think it is very similar to Noriega, where like I refer to him as a powerlifter's powerlifter. When I had you on the show, a lot of people were DMing me that I didn't know you had association with. Like, oh, I love Steve. Like me and him talk all the time, or you know, we me and him have conversed a whole lot of times. Where I think it's the same thing with Cliff Kingsbury. He's been in these, you know, these coaching rooms. He's been associated with so many different coaches where he's well-respected in the sport that he coaches in, very similar to you. And I think he had that, he did have that, you know, sexiness uh, marketing um, that I think that you're developing with Sean. And where the comparison to me stuck out is depending on success that you have with Sean is very similar to his success that he has with Kyler. If they go and start winning the NFC West and they end up winning the NFC Championship, they get to a Super Bowl with that foundation, that's going to be a testament of the foundation of, or how strong that foundation is, where it can attract free agents. It can attract more people getting interested in the Arizona Cardinals. Very similar to you. If you are the guy to have Sean overtake Russ, I mean, you're, I, I, I could imagine, you know, your coaching inquiries are going to go up 150%. Because people know, people love Sean, people want him to succeed, and based on your success with him, it's like, all right, this is like this is what's going to have me get different lifters onto my team, is if I could bring Sean to that promised land. And so far, you know, I saw, I saw, I saw his deadlifts and, you know, how his lifts are progressing. And based on what he's been doing, you know, if you go on his most recent meet, the chances of him doing that are as good as ever. So it's there. You can see it. Same thing with the Arizona Cardinals. They're, you know, hoping they don't win today. You know, this is just from a biased standpoint. The Bears need them to lose. Um, but, like, they are they were a shitty team two years ago. Not calling your team shitty, but in the sense, Arizona yeah, Cardinals. Yeah, yep. Yeah, Arizona not, Cardinals. Not, no, not on the radar. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, the you know they had had to go number one overall draft pick. 
See, we saw what they did, you know, just meshing it all together. Now was the time for them to, you know, put together a playoff team, and they're doing that. You know, you're seeing you're seeing the upwards trend in that too. So um, that's that's what really stuck out to me most was the uh, the success that it's going to rely on that coach quarterback thing. I think Sean is your quarterback right now, and you have to, you know, see what you can do. Hopefully, hopefully, just like the Arizona Cardinals. You can just get Watkins somehow, and you know, just like out of nowhere, and it's like it may. If there was maybe some uh, coaching trades that could be done, that would be yeah. interesting development for USAPL powerlifting. Just yeah, uh, trades. I don't want to give any of my people away, but, but I mean, pretty much. <laughs> well, you didn't. You don't have to. Give anything yeah, away. You, you, you don't have to. <laughs> don't even need to. Bill O'Brien's going to be a GM. They'll just hand you their best player for free and not even care. Yeah, you could. You could be like. You could just probably sell someone who doesn't belong to you, or like a guy who doesn't even have your coaching. Like, all right, sure. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I um, yeah, I I also like the Bills on that one too. Like uh, we have we had a lot of Bills fans just wanting me to compare someone to the Bills. So maybe if we redo these, I'll throw the Bills in there too. Um, because, yeah, it's a shame we couldn't do every team in football, but it's just not possible. But uh, yeah, five-hour episode, six hours probably. Yeah, this one's going to be a longer one uh, yeah. <laughs> already. And especially with this one coming up, football team comparison number eight. Precision powerlifting system equals the Detroit Lions explanation Seemingly every decision made by Kevin Kahn and the Detroit Lions is the wrong one. And I don't have a whole lot of information on this guy. The information I have is it being passed around in group chats and seeing like, can you believe this person said this today? And that's only thing, only thing I could think of is that's exactly what the Lions franchise is. Can you believe the Detroit Lions made this decision today? They once punt they once opted to kick on a coin toss in overtime against the Chicago Bears. They gave the Bears the ball in overtime when overtime was sudden death, first team scores wins, and the Lions decided to kick the ball to the Bears, and the Bears drove right down the field and kicked a field goal. And everyone the next day were like what the fuck were they thinking? And that's very similar to like almost everything that this guy posts on social media. Like, is this is this being run through any sort of thought process before he posts or or argues or debates? Yeah. Well, let me give some background here because I want to be so. I used to love Kevin's podcast. He does. He is a very intellectual thinker. Yeah. And I think that's his downfall to an extent is it becomes a bit too much. So I used to really like his podcast. We shared a warm up platform at the Arnold. He's a super nice guy. I had no issues with him. Mm-hmm. We followed each other. We very much openly disagreed with each other, um, but we were okay with that. Um, little issue lately though, because he started, he started, he was calling Sean out on the stories. He was making posts saying that, if you have a coach that says you shouldn't be sitting back, you're paying a lot of money for very bad advice. He was saying, if you say drive your knees forward as a coach, you're just doing it for likes on IG. He made some kind of post that seemingly was trying to mirror. I have a YouTube video has a couple thousand views about driving the knees forward. And I make comparisons to every of the top lifters and the, uh, the record holders and how they squat. And he made a very similar 
post seeming that, I don't know. He, he just, he, and then I didn't know this until about the time when this happened that he blocked everyone's comments yet made everything. So yeah, blocks everyone's comments, but makes all these claims and then gets mad when people then call him out on their stories because they can't comment. So I don't want to go at him as a person. Like I know some of the comments started doing, um, and he was upset about that. And I think that's to an extent fair. So I'm just talking about coaching in general. Yeah, Definitely don't agree with a lot of what he says. If anything, I don't think any of the top coaches really agree with him, which is okay. But if you're going to disagree and tell everyone else they're wrong and then bash us, yeah, then you better be producing some results to back it up. And it hasn't happened. Yeah. Here was my explanation on this because this was from a lot of other people's uh, viewpoints, and this this is this one actually took me, you know, educating myself onto this coaching thing before I made a because when we're making these football comparisons, if we're gonna compare someone to the Patriots, we gotta compare someone to the Detroit Lions. Like we gotta do this. We we have to start being honest about things in powerlifting. If someone sucks, if someone is doing something wrong, like sports. People should be able to say, hey, what you're doing is wrong, and I think it wouldn't be as bad if he wasn't so damn arrogant about it. Like, we would be a little bit more respectful, maybe give him a better team. Maybe the Browns. People are like, why isn't he the Browns? I'm like, because the Browns are good this year. You know what I mean? Like, maybe I would have given him the Browns if he was actually able to take this criticism to heart or, like, to listen to people. But when you start blocking comments and completely ignoring what the top coaches are saying in the USAPL, when everyone is in unison that you are, you know, you, the information that you are sharing is wrong and all these names are, like, agreeing with each other, all the top coaches, all the top athletes are like, no, we disagree with that. And you're not willing to hear them out and you're blocking comments and you're completely disregarding any sort of discourse between the two, that's where you get the Detroit Lions. That's where you get that comparison. It's when you completely block out everyone else. And this is what happens in the NFL. Everyone in the NFL still respects the Detroit Lions. They're still an opponent. You still have to respect his coaching system. They're an opponent. They're part of the sport. They're part of the community. But every organization in football are like, they drafted another receiver? For the seventh, they drafted five straight receivers in five straight years when they have a top five draft pick. Why would they do that? Every organization was thinking the same thing. Like, why would you do that for five straight years? This is what's happening in powerlifting. All the organizations, all the coaching teams were like, he said that? He really he really honestly said, you know, that what the, the triceps are the main driver of the bench? Really? Okay. That's what happens. Yeah. That, that's really what happens, and you get the Detroit Lions comparison. Yeah. And of course, the personal the personal attacks. That's because the comments of this one, the shares on this one, the stories repost on this one were was massive. This was, I mean, people respond more to negativity than uh, positivity. That's why Two White Lies is a pro negativity podcast at this point. <laughs> but the comments they got out of control. They got crazy. They started taking, making personal attacks, and I kind of thought that was going to happen. But you know, I'm not going to block comments on Two White Lights. I'll delete some if they're spam. And they're just going to get worse and worse and worse. I'll delete the comments, but I'm not going to block, you know, the comments that are happening so we can get that actual discourse. Where I think sort of thing that was kind of uh, kind of the reputation that he's built 
was the fact that not able to listen to criticism. If you take what I said and then you have a discourse about his coaching, you could actually learn some things from there. But it turned into, hey, why don't you say this shit to my face when I see you? It's like, I've never fucking seen you to say it to your face and I can't do it because I you're in a different state than me. Like, I can't go and say this to your face. Yeah. And that's what the comments turned into. I'm like, if that's where your comments are going to be, me, I'm not talking tough. I'm saying you're the Detroit Lions. It's not, it's not talking tough. Like, we're not, if that's your response to me criticizing you, then this, this comparison makes a lot, whole lot of sense. Yeah. As well as he was very upset that it was posted, yet seemingly him and his meme buddy have no issue doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. It was just, it was just a weird, it was a weird, uh, kind of hypocritical back and forth in my opinion yeah and this so, is I I said, as a person i have no issue with him he was super nice to me we used to have good conversation i just think there's some things lately he's been calling out including and my, he's lumping me if, if, whether he's trying to or not he's lumping me and all these other coaches as being wrong not letting people comment on it and then being upset when people then disagree and that's that's an issue with me that's where kind of the line draw. i don't mind disagreeing with people but when you start doing that that's an issue, especially if you aren't producing the results to back it up. Yes, absolutely. And I would also say in, in the way of um, when we discussed earlier with Flex about like lifters leaving, and I don't think the lifters are going to get worse if they leave Flex. We have seen evidence of lifters getting worse under him. And that's crazy. That's hard to, that's hard to do. I'm not going to name names of who they were, but we have seen kilos dropping from totals. Like that's, there's something that you need to change in there. And this is where I had to defend a lot of the two white light stuff is because we were getting this as poor sportsmanship. I'm like, no, comparing someone to the Detroit Lions isn't poor sportsmanship. That's being a sportsman. It's being, a, that's what being an athlete or being a competitive athlete is. There are, as well as give credit, they're an NFL team. He was, yeah. he, is, he is a relevant enough coach yes. and he has had enough success. I mean, he's had people at the Arnold. He's had enough success to be relevant in comparison. So that's also like, I mean, I mean, he's no one's ever going to be like compared to the Detroit lions, but like there's plenty, there's 99.9% of coaches that aren't even considered for any of these yeah. because they aren't relevant enough to even be worthy of comparison. So, yeah, ab absolutely. And I just like, that was where we're getting all these say like, this is what, this is what sports are. Sorry. There's, there's good ones and there's bad ones right now. I'm going to put it this. I'm going to, you know, have my keep my opinions close to me and defend them because I think that's not done enough in powerlifting. People are this is going to be in a whole nother side ramp, but this whole this is a community where we pick each other up and we this, we should be building each other. This is what the sport's all about, true to an extent, but also the sport is just competing, right? Isn't that what the sport's all about? Competing, like this is what happens in competition. If there's someone who's bad. They have to improve upon themselves. That's 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 how sports work, people. I'm sorry if I don't know why powerlifting has to be different from all the other sports where we have to be, you know, holding hands with each other and always saying the kind kind things. Like I would like to see more criticism thrown lifters and coaches' way. And this is one way, and this is just another way to do it is to say, hey, your coaching resembles the Detroit Lions. That's literally all I said. That's really that's my only opinion on it. Yes. Yeah. Well, you you actually ended up taking less heat than probably Sean did. I think Sean yes. almost ended up taking the brunt of the load of that. Yes. Partially because he's Sean. Yeah. Heat magnet. But Absolute heat magnet. Is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like I said too, like 
can't be mad at Sean for coming back because literally two weeks before Kevin was calling Sean out in his stories and Sean hadn't responded. Like, yeah. Like if you're going to call someone out, like, yes. And then they're going to call you back out. Don't get mad about it. You opened up the floodgate to have someone come in and do that. Yes. And I also, I, I would just like to see more of this in the sport. If someone is bad, we are so scared to say it. You know what I mean? We're so scared to say it, but like, and you look at other sports, you want to make the sport more legitimate. This is what happens in other sports. People get called out for bad performances and bad decisions. More, more often than not. I mean, if, yeah. if we're literally going like NFL, you're probably getting more criticism than praise when it comes to professional sports on most ends. Yes. So Yeah, for sure. Um, so that was, that was the one that generated probably the most interest as far as these football team comparisons. We were doing, you know, we were getting some great things, but then that one, you know, boosted it in like all the right and wrong reasons um because it's it's funny those dms were pretty positive towards me like oh my god thank you for saying this like okay geez all right so that was that one detroit lions and the next one football team comparison number nine we got juggernaut training systems and the philadelphia eagles and this one this one could be a tumultuous, if you will. You can kind of take the good and bad in this one. Um, because ex- explanation, the Philadelphia Eagles, to me, always a solid franchise. Like, they're never, I guess, maybe the 70s laughingstock, but 70s, but like after 80s, 90s, 2000s, always an exciting team. That's what I register with the Philadelphia Eagles. Always exciting, you know, with, you know, they had Randall Cunningham in the 80s. They had a sick defense under Buddy Ryan. Um, they had, in 2000, you have Andy Reid, you know, with those super exciting teams and those 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 high-level teams as well. And then, But if you look at now, still, in my opinion, very exciting team. But the injury bug kind of takes, takes them out of a lot of contention and gives them a reputation of injury-prone. Just the mm-hmm. team itself is injury-prone. And... Even in the 80s, like, when they had sick teams, like, I thought they, in the 80s, if you really look at their roster, there's, like, two Super Bowl winning rosters in there. It's just, like, they have, like, bad luck, too. Like, the Fog Bowl. Like, the Philadelphia Eagles that year when they played the Bears in the 80s, I know I'm dating myself with, like, this football, you gotta really know football, I guess, for this one, but the Fog Bowl, they had, the like, the best team on paper. There was this insane fog in Chicago where no one could see the field, and it was pretty much a toss-up who was going to win that game based on the weather. It's like it's it's like a, a lot of luck goes in there too. But when they put it all together, Super Bowl, national champions. You know, Marissa Inda, national champion. Christian Dunsmore, national champion. Um, you got some national champions in there. Yep, and I think there's a. So I'll start off. Chad Wesley says was like my idol. Like, he was, like, the man when I started kind of getting mm-hmm. into powerlifting about seven years ago. And he was the man for a while. And I think there should be a distinction and separation for how I kind of describe this as juggernaut one-on-one Chad Wesley Smith coaching and juggernaut AI. Mm-hmm. Because in the sense of juggernaut, and this is coming from just the general perception, including myself to an extent, juggernaut AI has kind of muddied the perception of juggernaut to an extent because I don't think – the results from that and the amount of people who have said they've gotten injured a la something like pH three has been, uh, has been a little negative in the sense of kind of feedback from that. But in the sense of Chad coaching the people he does, I don't think there's too many negatives that can be said. I mean, he has produced 
open champions. He's produced world champions. Um, and he doesn't even have a big team because he's always been fairly selective and just coaching a select amount of people. Um, mm-hmm. But when those select people have always been unbelievably successful. So, and I think just kind of, he's kind of shifted his focus lately. Um, and it's kind of a little bit different. I mean, I don't think, I don't even know if he does as much one-on-one coaching anymore outside of the people he'd already done, but yeah, Juggernaut AI looks amazing on paper, but it hasn't played out quite like how I think some people did. And that's kind of like the Eagles, like the last three years on paper, they look amazing, but the injury, they, I mean, they've constantly ran into the injury, but their wide receiver core is decimated every single year. And so it's never played out how you thought it would. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And then also with the re- recent like Eagles, like the amount of the amount of coaching services they offer at the ATS, like going through their websites, like you have super total, you have, you know, weightlifting, you have, you know, athletic sports training. It's like an offensive playbook for the Eagles. Yeah. It's like you don't know what you're gonna see out there. Like you're gonna see this crazy reverse, you're gonna see a quarterback catching passes, you're gonna see you know, and it's cool. And and for for one time it works. But yeah, when I see like how Juggernaut has progressed, it's like it it reminds me something of like an, a a very versatile uh, Philadelphia Eagles offense. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't really have a whole lot of information for that one, only because it it like, and also with athletes that we're talking about, like you said, Chad Russell Smith doesn't take on like a whole ton of them. Yeah, I mean, and they're kind of separate too, like. He's very well known, but he doesn't really associate with the other USAPL coaches. Like everyone else we're talking about pretty much knows each other and associates with each other. He's kind of his own entity. Yeah. Like you even see him at the, if you see him at the Arnold or Nationals, he doesn't like talk to everyone. He's, he's kind of like, and then I, I'm, I'm literally, I'm putting him on a pedestal. When I see Chad Wesley Smith, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's CWS. That's Slim Wesley Smith. He looks amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a little bit different. It's harder to say because we don't, within the USAPL we don't have as close of a connection maybe more with his athletes but not with him as a coach as much I can imagine him going to USAPL meets and like looking at everyone is like I wonder how many people's asses I could kick right now <laughs> and just and like how like how easy would it be for hip, me to hip toss that guy so I can just imagine because yeah. I know he's a he's a he's a judo player right jiu-jitsu is it judo though or is it just no, Brazilian he, jiu-jitsu he does jiu-jitsu now uh, maybe he did judo in the past. I could have swore I right saw. I, yeah, I could have swore I saw judo. Um, and then they refer. Yeah, I try to be smart and say judo because I think they refer to as judo players. To this, he also golfs. There's me, Brad Couillard, Chad Wesley Smith, and Jordan Fagenbaum. That's that's the that's the the quad of the golfing powerlifting coaches. I really think we need to get a foursome at like Pebble Beach or something for all the marbles and put some money down. I'll I'll, I'll go. That's very NFL coaching style. Yeah. Uh, uh golf. Um, I hate golf, so I could, I, yeah, I guess, I guess I wouldn't peg Chad Austin Smith as a golfer, but that's been his, he's been doing jujitsu and golfing. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's um that's a thing we talked about on two white lights is like finding other hobbies that aren't always related to powerlifting. And I think he actually has done that. He's like, I, well, that's what I think a lot of people try to do. And he's successful with it because if you just kind of dominate your entire life surrounding powerlifting, like I do, yeah. um, he's like, it, it kind of gets taxing. So it's, I actually really do like seeing him. Cause I, I, and same as you, I've been a fan for a while, but I was always a fan of him just because I know that he dips into a lot of, you know, different pools, if you will. Yeah. 
he almost kind of, I mean, he started in sports performance and he kind of almost accidentally got pegged into powerlifting. I feel like yeah. I shouldn't say accidentally. He tried to, but like, that's how he got pegged partially because that's what he competed in, but he was more sports performance. And I think now he's kind of shifted back towards that. Cause I think he's, he's maybe he was with the Mamba Academy. I don't know if he still is anymore, but he definitely has gone a lot more into the sports performance rabbit hole. Yeah. Kind of, I feel like left juggernaut AI to take care of the powerlifting aspect. Yeah, for sure, and that that can happen occasionally in the, in the sport. Um, where like we have this identity for other people, and they're just not even aware of that identity because yeah. it's as well as I mean, he's doing this because he's probably making way more money than all of us powerlifting coaches. Because there's not a lot of money in powerlifting coaching. Nope. Nope. None. Nope. So he's doing all this because it's actually making him a legitimate life. Yeah, yeah worth. He's got. He's got sticking at coaching. 40 lifters for $150 a month and just kind of passing by. Yeah. He's got, a, he's got a family, so he's got to, yeah. he's got to do that. All right. So that was coaching comparison. Number nine. Now on to number 10, my favorite one. I thought <laughs> a lot about this one and I did West side barbell, uh, equals the Chicago bears. And really, I know the Chicago bears obviously more than all these teams. And that's where you get the amount of detail with this comparison is I know the Chicago bears. I know West side, you know, barbell, obviously, um, you know, it's, it's extremely influential in powerlifting, but I could give you so much more of a, like more accurate feed because of my knowledge on the bears and really my frustrations with the bears. And it was just a way for me to get all my frustrations out on the organization through this post and West side barbell gets some of it, but Here's, here's the explanation. I'm going to try to keep it short. And we're, we're going to get to some, like, the negative feedback I got from this. Because uh, it was mostly positive. But the, the explanation was riddled with a lot of compliments. A lot of them. And I'm a Bears fan. So, yeah, I'm going to give a, a good amount of compliments here because I love the Chicago Bears. Despite their problems, I really like them. And when you look at the Chicago Bears and Westside... They are extremely influential in the sport that they are competing in. Westside for powerlifting and the Bears for football. The Bears for football for a long time were the thing. They were the the, the team. They were the, the, the organization. They produced the most Hall of Famers. They produced the most amount of... When you look at a certain era in football, they had the most NFL championships. They were influential just on how people played the sport. Like... So many of the stuff they did was emulated by so many other different teams. And they were revolutionary in the way that they created, you know, offenses and defenses. I made the, the comparison between the 46 cents in 1985 with Buddy Ryan. That was huge. That won him a Super Bowl. That was crazy. That was a, that was a, in, that was a completely influential offense. I could see that being like conjugate. And I could see Louis Simmons being a George Hallis type guy in the sport of powerlifting where he was kind of the godfather of the sport, and that's what Hellas, Papa Bear, that's what Hellas was towards the NFL, not just the Chicago Bears, the NFL. But the, the comparison is that it stops kind of there. And I got some criticism on, you know, qualifying what the early days of powerlifting was. I compare it to the NFL, what the early day of the NFL was. Because, in my opinion, and people have different opinions, are we going to say the early days of the NFLs was 1920? No, I'm not saying the early days of the NFL. That was almost a completely different sport. I say the early days of the NFL are 1950, 
with Johnny Unitas and the New York uh, Giants and uh, Baltimore Colts playing. That's some modern-day football as we see it. So, like, the 50s through on is what we see. The sport has changed a lot since then. But it's what it, – it is more the sport that we can relate to, whereas in, like, the 30s and 40s, no. Well, it's actually – I mean, taking away from the Bears, talking about just a timeline comparison, it's a good timeline comparison because I think it was 1977 is when steroids were introduced <laughs> to NFL players. Yeah. I mean – were there steroids before Westside? Yes, but who's kind of like known for like being super pro steroids and literally like you have to take them. Like yeah. I mean, if you go to Westside, like I mean, it's bigger, stronger, faster. Louis pretty much like yeah, you have to take them. They kind of were the big pro advocates, and it kind of lines up perfect with that timeline of when they came on within powerlifting with the Bears, um, and then when steroids came into the NFL and completely changed everything um, with how the sport was played and how players are built and being bigger, stronger, faster. Yeah, absolutely, and yeah, that's that's a, a pretty good comparison. Actually, one I was thinking of was the Oakland Raiders. Yeah, I mean that's not that, a bad one either. That was that was close. I was close to picking the Oakland Raiders, but I had to get out my Bears no. frustration. It, but the Bears are. I mean, some people said, "Why aren't they the Cowboys?" The, the comparison could be made to the Cowboys, but the biggest issue I think is the Cowboys aren't blue collar. They're yeah. they're more of the white collar team. The Bears are the blue collar team. West Side is the wet blue collar gym. It, it's much more fitting in the sense of the atmosphere and what those teams kind of uh, uh, like radiated as their their persona. Yeah, and, and and very similar to the Bears, there was a point where the game kind of passed them by, and I think that happened to Westside, where mm-hmm. I think the sport progressed and it just passed them by, and it's not even in a negative sense. It's the fact that, you know, Bears' identity, run the ball, play defense. It's been that way forever. Why change it now? And they were still doing it like up until you know 2011 where teams were like hey you got to stop doing this it's not going to work anymore have you not seen the trends it hasn't worked it's like it's oh it's over like you kind of start throwing the ball and it seems like there was a refusal when that actually started happening which is early 2000s where people started to throw the ball way more and the bears were like nope run the ball we're running the ball we're playing defense same thing with west side it's like hey how about you get some guys in raw that's where the sport's going. Let's get some guys in Raw. Let's get some guys, you know, compete USPA. Like, nah, let's, let's stick to multiply. We don't care about Raw. Like, okay, the sport's just passing you by. Not a bad thing. I just think the run or the pass-first offense, the air raid offense, the spread offense, is USAPL Raw lifting. And let's throw US, uh, USAPL and USPA Raw lifting. And multiply. Like, And that's mm-hmm. run. And multiply is the run game, the run defense game. Like, power eye, have a fullback. And just run the ball down down a team's throat, and right now it's not really working. And people start to forget you, and they kind of start pushing you out as a thing of the past. And I think that's happening to Westside. Yeah, and I don't I, Westside. They always get butt hurt because they think the new generation hates them. Like I'm speaking for myself, and I think pretty much all the other coaches we're talking about. None of us discredit Westside. Westside was unbelievably successful. And multiply lifting. Yeah. Could it possibly be successful in Raw? Maybe. But like, I, I kind of look at Westside as Blockbuster. Like, they yeah. had this great model and then they saw this new, like, the fact of the matter is, is like back in that time, and Louis part of this, people didn't de- get degrees in exercise science. There weren't PhDs in biomechanics that had their emphasis in powerlifting. There weren't people like Eric Helms getting PhDs in the organization of programming and nutrition. 
we, we have, and you know, you have coaches, you have Sean, who's MIT engineer. It's, it's actually kind of a weird thing. How many top coaches or engineers, I don't know if you noticed that or had some, like I even have a LinkedIn engineering. I was going to Purdue to be an engineer and I just realized I hated the fact of being an engineer, but my skill set lined up great. Yeah. Like the amount of people we have coaching, um, that we're going to be very successful in a very highly intellectual career that then chose coaching is nothing like it was 20 or 30 years ago where it was just the gym owner just passing down the knowledge he had. So our knowledge has increased. It's been a mm-hmm. knowledge overload. And we take what we know from West Side. We take what we continue to learn now that's being known and better from research and from experience. And we create the best systems possible. We aren't ignoring West Side. Yeah. We're just making it better. Yeah. We don't need to just like, so that's that. And like you said, Bears, West Side, they're like, well, no, like we were best. Like we're going to stick with that until we finally realize we're blockbuster and we're bankrupt and the streaming service completely took us over. Mm-hmm. And then we're pissed that the streaming services, streaming services took us over, took our system, made it better. Yeah. And now we're highly successful. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that, that pretty much hits it right there is that, you know, it just, it, it's outdated a bit. And they haven't really produced anything uh, in, in the sense of powerlifting. I, and I know Westside has done other things for sport for athletes. I know that for I know conjugate's been used for a lot of professional athlete development. I know Clemson uses it. I know you know a lot of mixed martial artists. They train you know under a conjugate method and that kind of stuff. I know I'm not saying the everything has passed them by. I'm saying in the sport of powerlifting, which that's what they're associated with is powerlifting, and this is what this podcast is associated with is powerlifting in a powerlifting sense it's literally all defense no offense mm-hmm. like the chicago fucking bears all defense no offense it's constantly them just defending their success their methodologies and not putting anything out there like an offense does like to, to actually go on the offensive it's always defensive with them yep. um well, they're, and, not, they're not mike t they didn't progress and better their philosophies over time. That's where we talk about Mike T being the Steelers. He literally, unlike the Bears, the Steelers progressed with the times. They're still known for their great defense, but then Ben Roethlisberger is going to throw out 55 attempts and do an air raid offense yeah. to be able to still have an offense. Like yeah. they, they progressed with it. Yeah, so. absolutely. And, and to me, the most striking similarity was the fan bases. The West Side ha- West Side is probably aside from maybe Flex, West Side is probably the only fan base in powerlifting where they they're just people are fans of it. Like I had JP Carroll on the show who is a West Side lifter. He trained at West Side Barbell, and people say they're West Side lifters if they throw chains and do a conjugate method. They say I train West Side, and then every West Side lifter is like, No, you fucking don't. You have to train at West Side to be a West Side lifter. Don't call yourself a West Side lifter. He said the same thing to, um, to an extent where he's like, yeah, it's like people get the West Side shirt at the fucking gift shop. They wear it to the gym and they think it's like they think they're, they're they think they're part of West Side Barbell all of a sudden. It's like no, they're fans. They're fanboys. They they have a fan base, and the fan base, much like the Chicago Bears, are just reliving you know past glories and constantly telling people about what they did in the past. And watching one of the 6,000 documentaries on the 1985 Bears, you know, alternate stories from different players and other perspectives. There's way too many documentaries about the 85 Bears and just 
replace the, one of those amazing documentaries with the 85 Bears and replace it with West Side First World and boom, you pretty much created a Bears fan. That's what a Bears fan does. They watch documentaries about the past all day. West Side First World, I don't know if he's making a second installation um, of, of West Side First World, but if he keeps doing it, then you're just inadvertently playing into my football team comparison. Yeah. If you make if you make enough documentaries about West Side, it's like how many documentaries are there about the '85 Bears? Too many. There's there's too many of them. They're all good. Don't get me wrong, but like okay, like we kind of know the story at this point. Like you don't need to keep doing it. Um, yeah, and that's that's the most striking comparison to me. And the maker of West Side First of the World didn't like that comparison. The fact that he made a documentary that West Side fans watch. And I compared him to the team that he loves, yeah. the Chicago Bears. Imagine how shitty the Bears have to be for the two things that you love the most in this world, West Side and the Bears, and you get mad that I compared the two. <laughs> it speaks either how bad West Side has gotten or the Bears. I'm going to take the latter on this one to be like, yeah. fuck you. You can't compare the thing that I love to the thing that I also love. I actually felt like you had some comments and some feedback that were from, like, conjugate people are like yeah this is actually a pretty good one <laughs> yeah. like I, actually, I don't know if you got more dms about it but it actually seemed like there was kind of like some west side people like yeah this actually isn't a bad one yeah and i and i um there was a passive aggressive post about me by another podcast and um yeah shout out to strength and anger I, i'm pretty sure the last post you guys made was about me but um powerlifting like we're we're qualifying it in our world as 2014 because we're raw lifters so for yeah. us that's like kind of the early days of powerlifting like, I would say the early days of powerlifting with multiply would be in the 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s. I know it goes before that. I know there's a history before that, but that's what the modern day powerlifting is, is based on 2000s. Like, in 1970s, the early days of football was still the 1930s and 1940s. In 2020, the early day of football is 1950s. That's when, like, before that it was like red grange rushing for seven touchdowns a game and sammy bow throwing like 14 passes a game and being and like being the premier passer of the league like that was the that was the game of football no that's not the game that we're used to same thing with you know powerlifting like it, mm -hmm. it has gone through a transformation since then and no i'm not going to know about you know the the early 90s and late 80s powerlifting I'm fucking 27. I can't do that shit. <laughs> yep. Well, I mean, even within Westside, Multiply, they were in they were in the generation of Multiply that was like what we know of it as today, which is like these super crazy suits. Like in the, from what I know, the 60s to 80s as time, like when Ed Cohn was reigning supreme, like he, he, he credits that the suits he was wearing was basically a Titan singlet. Yeah. Like it wasn't the same. Um, so yeah, they very much had their generation where it really worked. And when I look at West side and this is the critique of what I learned from it, it makes a ton of sense for multiply. It makes a lot of sense for athletics, actually. Like yeah. I actually see how that has really good possible carryover. And like, that makes a lot of sense to me. I think it's, it's, they take it to offense to it too much that it just hasn't worked for raw Versus saying, what can we do to make it work for Raw? Yeah. Which, which there are some coaches that aren't West Side that have taken conjugate as a principle. Yeah. And a print, not a program, a principle, and applied that and it's worked. But in the sense of West Side going Raw, it 
just it's never happened. Yeah. Anyone that's done it has changed, a la Mike T, a la Bryce Lewis did West Side per se and changed. So Yeah. And I and well here's the thing as far as, you know, offense goes. I don't think anyone from West Side gives a shit of my opinion. Or they might be like, Yeah, that's pretty accurate. We really don't do anything for Raw because we don't give a fuck about you guys. Like, they don't care. It's the yeah. fanboys. The ones with the West Side t-shirt from the gift shop. Yes, the ones who order a West Side shirt or, you know, visited there once when they were at the Arnold because, you know, West Side is right there in Columbus. They're the ones who get offended at this stuff. And the person who's the biggest West Side fanboy of all time, the guy who makes West Side first the world. He's the only person who gets offended. He fights all their battles. And I know him and Louis Simmons talk a lot. But Louis Simmons probably like this. I don't fucking give a shit. This Jagoff can yeah. fight. This Jagoff can you know fight all my battles well, for me. Jesse Cohen went and visited Westside and he didn't even know who she was. Yeah, he doesn't care. The guy who does Westside First the World when he's not making a story that calls out Garrett Fear because he said a mean thing. It's apparently a meme that I made, which isn't a meme. The fact that I made this, there was a lot of thought that went into this. Where I didn't put any thought into Kevin Can, I put a lot of thought into this one. I put I put a lot of thought in this one where I just gave one sentence and that was it for the Detroit Lions Kevin Can one. This one I actually did a lot of thought in and wasn't a meme. And like one saying he's essentially anti-meme is wrong because I have a lot of proof that he loves the memes that I make about Westside if it's lighthearted and funny. He loves those memes. It gives more clout to Westside First the World, which is, you know, if you guys didn't know that guy made Westside First the World, um he, he likes to bring it up in every Instagram interaction he's ever in that he made a documentary that got on Netflix. Wait, he made West Side vs. the World? Yeah, he did. He um he did. It's on if you guys didn't know it's on Netflix. Got it. I didn't know it was on Netflix either. He didn't mention that. Oh, and it's broadcasted internationally because he had to tell me Netflix was an international organization. Because I didn't know that. I didn't know whatever on Netflix is broadcasted towards people in different countries. I thought it was a, I thought it was strictly a Midwest thing. Yeah. I didn't even know it got to California. But yeah, so the guys like him, guys like him get offended. Like JP, JP Carroll, the guy on the show, the only, I mean, granted, he's the only guy from West Side and he was more the newer West Side guy on the show. He thinks my memes are hilarious when I make fun of people from West Side because that's the thing, that's probably what they talk about over there. How big of douchebags, other people yeah. who get mad about me well, making a meme. Well, kudos to West Side. They probably, th- you've talked about this. If, you have guy friends and you don't bash your guy friends and have fun back and forth. They're not guy friends. Like, yeah. Guys bash each other and you've got to be like laugh back and forth. Kudos to them if they're laughing, laughing back and forth. Cause if yeah. someone wants to meme me, I, I probably would laugh. Oh, like, yeah. Okay. Funny. Yeah. I've been, I mean, yeah, I've been it, being meme is a great honor, especially in this day and age. But yeah, yeah. Like the only person who takes offended it is people who idolize Louis Simmons and Louis Simmons doesn't know their name guaranteed does not care about them or be Louis Simmons would point Blake, tell some of these people you're not good enough to train at my gym. Much like Mike Dicka would say to someone like, it's like, you're not even strong enough to train at my gym or get coaching under me. And he will say that point Blake. They always talk about building up a community. Yeah. Louis Simmons wasn't the biggest uh, builder of a community. He was kind of in your face. You now suck at powerlifting. Two communities that literally <laughs> fist fought each other between the morning and the afternoon session. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 yeah. The, a lot of West Side people are making reposted my stories. Like this is this is not what powerlifting is. If you guys just work together, we can be so much stronger. It's like the guy you're defending didn't do that, and he probably would punch you in the face for being such a pussy for saying that. Like don't don't say that shit. 
but he 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 has that you know that that thing with him but it's it's primarily the offense is taken through other people not people at west side so um and i still think uh drawing the bears in comparison is not as bad as it seems no man i mean you're bears? saying they were like one of the greats of all time yeah. just living off that past bears are one win away from the playoffs so let's just it's not it's not the worst thing in the world they're a playoff team like one win away depending on what happens today like yeah. west side don't get too mad if you're compared to the chicago mm-hmm. bears would be a great comparison today. If it yeah. goes well. Yeah, if all go if Mitch goes off today, it'd be the best comparison ever. So alright, don't lose your mind. Also, guy who makes Westside First World. If you tell me you made Westside First World one more time, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> like I can't I can't handle him saying it that much. Alright, last one. Football comparison number eleven. This was a broad one that actually created some uh, good interaction. USPA coaches equal the Dallas Cowboys. And I'm going to explain this one really quick. Because this one was difficult. Because I didn't want to neglect the USPA. And you didn't either. Because we kind of went back and forth on this too. I didn't want to neglect the USPA. But making this comparison. People immediately, just like the Bears. When you compare someone to the Cowboys, they they think it's an insult. Which, like, the Cowboys are a pretty solid organization. They're, they, they, they were a dynasty in the 90s. People respect the Dallas Cowboys. They're, you know, they're one win from a playoff, too, somehow. <laughs> but they're still there. They're still always in contention. They're still respected. It's the, the hype. The hype that certain lifters and certain coaches create for themselves. And them falling short of those expectations. And I had a great conversation with the USPA coach about this. Uh, Charlie Binkley, um, really good friend of mine, very good lifter. He is a coach himself. We, I talked about this where, because he saw me right at Surge and said, he's like, what the fuck? You had to compare us to the Cowboys? I'm like, yeah, sorry, man. I knew you would get pissed off about that. Um, and I'm like, I'm like, here's, here's the, the, the train of, here's my train of thought. I couldn't, call out around five or six USPA coaches who only use their totals as a means to get clients and their clout to get clients, which that happens a lot in USPA, more than USAPL, because USAPL kind of weans those people out as phonies. It doesn't happen as much as in the USPA. I couldn't call five or six of those athletes out and then mention the five or six USPA coaches who I like and respect. So I had to make it as broad as possible, where it's a mish- mishmash of of coaches, and it's just really disorganized, and everyone acknowledges that there's a ton of talent coaching-wise and athlete-wise in the USPA, but they just don't seem to really put it together where there's something in the sense of a, of a unified team that kind of stands alone. Yeah. I mean, the U.S., in the sense of both organizations, the USPA coaching side has not figured out how to create into a business model in the same way that the USAPL has yeah. USAPL with these teams and even these coaches who are individuals have created into a business model where USPA just has. And I think one, I don't know if you, I, I made this meme a while ago, but I reposted it, but you ever see my meme that I posted on my story about top questions on an athlete's mind when looking for a new coach. And I did USPA versus USAPL. Yes. Yeah. 
that pretty much describes it. I'm, I'm making fun of both. USPA athletes tend to bias towards a coach who's just a really good lifter themselves. Mm-hmm. And that seemed, uh, I'm reading it now, USPA, how many world records do they have? Are their Instagram lists higher than current world records? At some point, has Zaheer threatened to kill effing kill them? Do they have a picture with Ed Cohn? Like, the thing is that a lot of USPA guys thought that was hilarious because, I, I mean, Derek Fears mentioned this. He actually has kind of an issue with kind of sometimes oh. that fact as well. Yeah. Where USAPL, I made fun of the opposite, and I'm memeing myself. USAPL, how many degrees do they have? Was there research emphasis in DUP or, R, or RPE and all that kind of stuff? Because, like, I'm not strong. I've, I have There's nothing about my lifting that makes my coaching more appealing. Yeah. And there's a lot of coaches like that that are just nerdy and they're just, I mean, they're just powerful coaches. And it's a big difference. And so USPA, in the sense of the Cowboys, a lot of the coaches live off of their lifting and their past performance to somehow warrant that they're really good coaches and then people get coached by them and it's not very good. Yeah. And that's not, like you said, that's not all USPA coaches. There's definitely good ones, oh, yeah. but I almost feel bad for them. And I think they're the ones that actually kind of are, would support this is like, they get annoyed that these coaches with a bunch of clout from their lifting somehow become these big names that have no idea what they're doing. While the actual good coaches in USPA don't have the same success because they didn't pull some world record 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, kind of create that Instagram persona too, that a lot of them have. And it's just, it, and it, it doesn't get discussed. And as opposed to the West side first world or the, his issues that I had with it and the West side first, the bears one, like, People in the USPA didn't find offense to it. You know what I mean? They just weren't, they weren't too upset with the comparison. And because I, yeah, and that was another person I talked about it, it was with Garrett, where he wants there to be a more, the USPA coaches to be more legitimate. Like Garrett's whole thing, because he's like, in a lot of ways, he's like the, um, he's, he's kind of like the brand, he's like the brand of USPA now. It's like, when you think USPA, you're thinking of Garrett. And you're thinking of his opinions and he's trying, but he's trying everything he can to really make the USPA similar to the USAPL and IPF in its structure, mm-hmm. where, especially in coaching, because when you look at the USAPL and IPF, you have such legitimate organizations that coach and it makes it more professional when you do that. In the USPA, I've never seen that. And it's when you go to a USPA meet, and it's not really a knock. It's not the worst thing in the world. Actually, it's not even negative. If we really think about it, it reminds me of the, it reminds me of the Wild West. Literal cowboys. It's like when you go into the warm-up room, it's a mishmash of just a bunch of people coaching, a bunch of people like you don't know who the coaches and athletes are. You don't know what's going on. There's just no like organization there. Like a guy can just be a coach and coach like his three friends or something. And then you get a guy who's coaching like four hundred people. Because like they just accept every coach, you know, they accept every client that's uh, that offers themselves to them because they once probably pulled something crazy or they have great gym lifts or something like that. So it's, it's similar to the sense in the Cowboys and like in that way, I, this is another one I almost put the Raiders to, because if you look at the people who compete in the USPA, they remind me of Raider fans. Yeah. I think in a good way, the Cowboys give more credit to USPA though. Maybe if we're doing like SPF, or yeah. APA or one of those other federations, then we're not going to give them as much credit. Um, USPA deserves credit. They are the, it, there's USAPL and yeah. USPA. They're the two best federations. But I, like Garrett said, and we're talking about, 
Um, there's a lot of hype behind a lot of these coaches, but things just aren't organized well. And on paper, it looks good. But lately, the Cowboys just can't put it together. Like yeah. Everything on paper looks good. They've got all these high-profile names. They've got this billion-dollar stadium. It doesn't come to fruition, though, because the the coaches that are leading the charge are not the ones you prop. Maybe you want to be leading the charge. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I agree with that 100%. And it's – and I think – because I, I obviously can't list uh, specific names here, but from stories I've heard from other lifters who get coaching under USPA coaches, there's just a lot more shady stuff that goes on, much like the Cowboys organization. You know what I mean? It's like it's a lot of just real unprofessional stuff, and it's a black eye to how good other coaches are, and it gives it, it turns into a reputation of USPA coaches are this exact way. And that's yeah. not the case. It's not like, I, I mean, if you throw Joe Sullivan in the mix, fantastic coach, a, a extremely well-respected guy in, in powerlifting too, where people, you know, give him a lot of credit for stuff. Uh, Trevor Jaffe is another one. Very well-respected, and they try really hard to go about coaching the right way and share information. But then, you know, those guys can get completely disregarded from some, you know, just some unprofessional shit, like program stealing. Now, I have no proof of this, like no real hard evidence that they're doing this, but it's just so clear to see when you're in the gym, program stealing, ripping off of other people's programs or other coaches' programs and then like labeling as your own because you're coaching people. That happens in USPA way more than USAPL. I see more USPA lifters. I just see it so frequent that they're doing that and it's just unprofessional. And it, again, that's the reputation they build onto USPA coaches. Yeah. And you mentioned two coaches. I completely agree. Trevor Jaffe and Joe Sullivan, fantastic coaches. They also have a great lifting career to back it. And that's not, that's not bashing either. It's saying that like, for some reason, the USPA, like someone like me, I don't think could make it as a coach. Oh yeah. I don't, I would never, I would, I would never make it because I, unless you are both, like in the sense of like a great lifter and you're a great coach, it's very hard to make it. Like I still to the, I coach a couple of USPA people. I coach one guy, Matt Shannone. He's had the, he's the eighth highest total ever at 181, fourth highest squat. Crazy strong guy, 539 Wilkes. Doesn't really give me any, I don't really get any kind of like street cred from that in USPA. Like I, when I go to USPA meets, I'm still not, I don't feel nearly as accepted as at USAPL. And it's, it's just yeah. kind of a, a if that could change and they could allow people who are really good at coaching to be really good at coaching and not have to be the best lifter, I think the culture would benefit as a whole and weed out these crappy coaches who are just pawning off templates and copying stuff and just living off of their clout lifting. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, just my, cause I, I've been more to USPA meets than USAPL. Um, USAPL doesn't have like the biggest uh, influence in Illinois. It's a lot USPA and APF meets. So I've attended those meets and I can I mean, it's not really a, no I mean, it can be a knock at times where I see the coaches who are coaching their athletes competing on the same day. And it happens more times than not where mm -hmm. the coach who's, you know, who's the coach of everyone is also coaching his athletes while he's still worrying about his competition. Or I say in general with that, like if that's USPA is not 
this coaching side is not nearly as well versed in warm up room timing and attempt selection. Oh yeah. And I'm, I'm pulling out Garrett again. Garrett has covered this, and that it, it, it's just a fact. Like, if you've never been to Raw Nationals in primetime or been in the Arnold and been in, like, the or Worlds, you don't even understand what warm-up room timing and – Oh, yeah. Oh, that was – You don't I mean, understand. And I've literally – I've actually had situations where I've had people in money meets for USPA, and I've tried to do the, the, like, attempt selection stuff, and it doesn't work because the other coaches aren't paying attention. And if they're not paying attention, it doesn't work to, like – manipulate does that make sense like yeah i can't even do it because no one's paying attention to what i'm doing because they're just choosing numbers that they want and have no care in the world that like i'm trying to like manipulate attempt selection with mine oh yeah that was that was me that was me because i had so much experience i never competed at uspa but i went to so many different meets and when i competed apf i handled myself and it was just like all right i'm going to hit this weight whatever feels good in a warm-up room you know, I didn't have like specific warm up selections. It was just like, okay, let's do this. This makes sense. And it was when I went to Raw Nationals, I saw that that's a thing. Mm-hmm. That's an actual thing. Warm up timing, how warm ups are a very strategic thing for a lot of lifters and coaches. I didn't know that until I saw, you know, all the other coaches, Joe Stanek in particular at Raw Nationals. He wasn't coaching me at the time, but I saw him in the warm up room. I saw, you know, the guys from, um, Project Strength, they were in there doing the same thing. Like, it was it was something I was completely... Uh, Flex was in there, too. It was something I was completely not nuanced to. And then when I go back to it now, when I go back and see USPA, I handled one of my friends at a meet, uh, just willy-nilly, just had to handle him. Um, like, I was trying to do the same thing, was time things and get, like, an attempt selection down, like, be on the same page as him. But then it would just be, like... A coach coming in and being like, hey, can we hit this really quick? And they're like, hey, can we hit this really quick? And then I would see what they would do. Then it's like, you just did a two, you just did a 230 squat. And then your next one was 235. And then, the, like, not not understanding the kilo because it was kilos in the warm-up room, and they're used to pounds. So the kilos yeah. in the warm-up room in this USPA meet, they didn't, they were only making, like, five kilo jumps. I'm like, what the fuck are they doing? I'm like, why did they just retake that? And I'm like, all right, this is a mess. Like, everything here is a mess. Like, as far as in just, like, trying to focus on my guy, like, this this is going to be really hard to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Call us elitist for USAPL, but I'll tell anyone, if you haven't been to Raw Nationals or the Arnold or something like that, you don't actually understand what powerlifting is or what powerlifting coaching also entails in the skill. Like, it, you don't understand. Like, it's... It's, yeah. it's a different world. It's yeah. not even comparable. Yeah, like, I don't think this will ever happen. I was at a meet in Chicago, and I was there just to, you know, support my friends. And a guy who was coaching pawned me off on one of his athletes because he couldn't handle his athlete because he was competing. I'm like, uh, I kind of know the guy. I'm like, he's a good friend of mine, but I don't, what the fuck's he hitting? Like, I have no idea what he's hitting, what the goal is today, what the, like, I had no idea so I'm calling his attempts and just having no like having no idea because this this coach is literally performing or competing on a platform next to him so it's like I don't think that'll happen actually I know for a fact it won't happen in USAPL meet Noriega will not be like will not be he would have a handler probably for David Sheldon you'll have someone there for him who's under the coaching tree of Nori 
Yeah. I mean, 2019, Matt Cronin had me handle his lifter Nikhil Thomas because Matt Cronin was competing. So we he lined up people to handle his – same with me. If I, I, well, I'm not competing, but if I need it, I'm going to land, line up a very competent handler for my lifter for them to be fully taken care of. Yeah, because, I mean, what if I didn't show up that day? Yeah. Like, I didn't have a handler. <laughs> well, even, even at the Midwest primetime, obviously, I'm directing the meet. I actually had someone from St. Louis come out to handle Patrick Kyle – um, yeah, it's Patrick and Kyle that day. Like, I'm not going to yeah. leave them on there. Like, they're going to have a very legitimate handler. Yeah, that, that was yeah. – the more I get into it, the more wild I know that situation was because when I see the operation of USAPL meets to opposed to USPA meets, it's a lot more organized. Yeah, and, and Garrett's a guy who will, who will definitely rant about that, if, if anything, is the, um, the handling aspects, the difference between handling, you know, people in the USAPL and the USPA. It's because he does try very hard to make it as legitimate as possible. Yeah, but for sure. Yeah, so that's going to do it, man. I'm, unfortunately, we had to end on a weird number with 11, but I just couldn't think of too many coaches and NFL teams that correlate with those coaches. Yeah, it, started, I mean, it, it would have to start reaching a little bit. I think there's one more I mentioned, and I'll throw it out there because he's my coach. Is Brad Couliard. I'm going to say he's the Giants. Yes. Um, Brad Couliard isn't very like super he's well known but he's not like Instagram famous because he doesn't do any social media stuff but I used him because I don't think people have realized how many coaches he coaches yeah Bill Parcells was known having that coaching tree like so many people came from Parcells um I mean he coaches me he coaches Sean Collins he coaches Marcellus um I know there's a couple other people too but his coaching tree is pretty incredible like you say who do you, who does it all kind of go up to a lot of it just goes up to Brad um, yeah. even Brad doesn't coach Sean Noriega or Matt Cronin but I know for a fact Sean and Matt have learned a lot from Brad and kind of been mentored by Brad so yeah I was going to I, I was actually going to put it not as a New York Giants I was going to put just Bill Parcells as kind of a bonus one yeah. because like the way this was kind of going it wouldn't make like total sense having Brad career just Bill Parcells and have it on there and like in the same regards, but I might throw that in there um, as like a bonus one because I, yeah, I don't think it's completely to compare him to the entire Giants organization, but Bill Parcells in general, the actual human being is much better. Like yeah. is, is, um, is a better comparison. I really like that one because yeah, it's if um, as like, um, uh, like uh, McVeigh is now, like that's what Bill Parcells kind of was. Yeah, it's like if Bill Barcells gives you the okay, it's like yeah, like hire this guy. You probably should listen to Bill Barcells because he's the most well-respected football coach of that time, and for for many years after that too. Because it was just like, it, I think he got like so good at coaching, or like so interested where he was, he wanted to go into like other organizations just as a challenge. Mm-hmm. Like I'm gonna coach the Jets because they're a fucking dumpster fire, and I want to see. Like, how I can create that. Same thing with, like, the Cowboys. Like, this team has had zero success in the post, like, Jimmy Johnson years. Let me get in there and, you know, see if I can fix things for him. So that's, that's like, his projects. Because I guess he could have stayed with the Giants his entire career. He just always found a way to leave. So, I think there's some other, the other thing, too, is, like, if you really look at all the coaches we did, they have a social media presence. Yeah. Because it's only going to make sense that they have a personality that everyone can relate to. I mean, I'll name drop some others. I mean, Bill McCarthy, Arian Kamisi, um, 
I had some others that I couldn't think of. There's other ones I was thinking of that are like world's team coaches, but they aren't really like social yeah. media people. So it's hard to connect a team to, even though that we could, we connect every coach. Is there 32 coaches? Yes, but we can't connect everyone because there's not enough of a, a personality that it's going to resonate with people. Cause the whole point, I mean, we're not doing this to not get attention. Yeah. Like the, this has been great for two white lights. Cause you got a lot. I mean, not in the sense I've I can help the podcast too, but you got a lot of attention to your page, which I don't know if your page beforehand was receiving near as much traffic. So, I mean, the point of this is to get attention and unless there's going to be some social media personality present to resonate like a Joey flex or a Sean Noriega, it's hard to put a team to them. Yeah, for sure. And also if you look at NFL teams, like it's really hard to come up with an NFL team that's going to match a coach. Like there are just certain teams that don't like the Carolina Panthers. Like, I, what's their, I, I don't know their identity. Yeah. <laughs> with the Carolina Panthers. Not enough success, nor been around a lot to have an identity. Nor even, like, I mean, like, the Cardinals were, were using them for me, but they have an identity because they have this flashy quarterback and this yeah. flashy coach. Like, Panthers have none of that. Right? Yeah. They haven't but, been around a long time. They don't have a flashy quarterback. They don't have a flashy coach. It's just, they're just kind of yeah, there. Like, like, I mean... I guess if I go into like some football real, but like some real football knowledge, you could find one for maybe every team, but that's like going to be some reaches. Like Miami Dolphins is another one. Like I can't think of Miami Dolphins. Like that's, it's like the Washington football team. Like, Like I don't know what to really make of those teams. So yeah, for, for those hoping to get their team or their coach onto this thing, um, project strength, um, shout out to Kyle and uh, Waleed and all the people associated. They wanted me to compare them to the Houston Texans just because they're from no, Houston. That, <laughs> just because they're from I Houston. Mean, they're going to openly take yeah. I mean, okay. I mean, it was like, do you guys want, I'm like, this is a mark. This is a marketing thing, by the way, too. Do you guys really want me to put Houston Texans as your team? Uh, and there's like, we just kind of want you to, Mention us. <laughs> no. I mean, I'll, I'll shout out one more because I tried to think of one for him because I think we're both friends with him and everyone, Matt Cronin, but I couldn't yeah. think of a good one for Matt. I don't yeah. think there was one that was like shouting out, this is Matt Cronin. So it just didn't, there just wasn't one that worked great. Yeah. I mean, again, like Matt, Matt Cronin, actually, I think I, I might have said this in a conversation. I'm trying to make Two White Lights a podcast where a guy like Matt Cronin would listen to. You know what I mean? Like, a guy like Matt Cronin who is very successful in the sport as a lifter and a coach but is so low-key and is so just like um eh, you know powerlifting is extreme passion of mine but he's so not on social media and he's so not like clout grabby well, he decided to live in the middle of nowhere in vermont so yeah like he's so like that guy that i'm like that's what i want two white lights to be is a podcast for that guy to listen to or a guy like him to listen to so you like you can't do a football team comparison yeah. If that's the case, or if you count like a college football team. Yeah. That's where it gets down. You probably would have to, if you really wanted to do that, it would have to get down to players. Yeah. That'd be the only way to do it because you'd have to get real down to yeah. a player and, that kind of reflected them. Yeah. And, and Matt Cronin is like. Maybe that's something for baseball season. Yeah. And Matt, Matt Cronin is like an all pro offensive lineman. Like, yeah. the if they're, they're doing a good job if you don't hear about them. If, if he chugged beers, he'd be well, back at Tiari. I don't know if I'm saying it right. If he chugged beers, yeah. that would be a good one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he would be. But see, he, he creates a little bit too much of a fuss. 
for himself. Bakhtiari makes a little bit too much of a thing. He's like he's like Orlando Pace. Like Orlando yeah, Pace is yeah, a Hall yeah. of Famer, and then everyone's like, "Who's Orlando Pace?" And then everyone in the NFL's like, "He's like the greatest offensive lineman ever." What are you talking about? And it's like he just said nothing. How low key Orlando Pace is? He worked out at the Gold's gym I managed, and. Most people didn't know who he was. Yeah. We had Nelly and Chingy there, and they actually had to stop coming because they get bothered too much. Orlando Pace went there forever, and most people didn't even realize it was Orlando Pace until someone said something. Yeah, see? Perfect. That's that's like, that's like pretty much Matt Cronin. Like, yeah. well-respected like coach. Because at Nationals, they always put the other Matt Cronin's picture on Matt Cronin's bio. <laughs> that's how low-key he is. Yeah. I, I mean, you say the same thing about Sean Collins. Sean, yeah, Sean. Well, yeah, Sean, I mean, again, Sean be another one, but low-key kind of, it, I don't know if there's a, for him or Matt, there's a NFL team that kind of. I was just going to say the Oakland, I, I like, the Oakland Raiders was a team I wanted to throw in here a lot because I think you can do it. And I just, for Sean Collins, it's the way he looks as Oakland Raidery. I would say Bill McCarthy if we really had to do it. Do you know Bill McCarthy? Yeah. Big Bill? Yeah, he's kind of like, he, he's he's not very, like, in He's not super USAPL. Like he's got a really old school like strength and conditioning coach style of programming. Mm-hmm. And if you kind of look at his lifters like Jake Amendola, they're kind of like blue collar guys. I could kind of. I'm not even comparing the team. I'm just comparing the persona. I could see Oakland Raiders for Bill McCarthy. Yeah. Well, like yeah, for USPA, I was thinking Oakland Raiders for for sure. You know, steroids. Yeah, well, there could be yeah tons yeah. of coaches that probably could fill the Oakland Raiders. Spot yeah, there. St- steroids look all black. Like that's that almost was too perfect. I actually am now kind of regretting not putting the Oakland Raiders as USPA because it would have been good to throw in that steroid thing because you, you can't deny yeah. it, right? You, that one works too in the sense of like yeah, past past uh uh what's it called past uh success. Yeah, and it even works better because the past success happened in 1977 when they discovered steroids and they went from the last place team to the Super Bowl champions the next year. So, yeah, yeah that might have actually been better for USPA. <laughs> yeah, and, and their entire fan base during the 70s were Hell, Hell's Angels and they were the, 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 the Oakland the Oakland uh, rejects that would come to the games and just like start fights. I mean, it's still that way, but uh, like at the time it was like the Hell's Angels team, the actual Dangerous Bikers game, like was the Oakland Raiders for that reason because they're like yeah they they drink whiskey all night they they do their drugs and they go and kick ass and they 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 cheat they 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 embellish cheating it's like all right that's I think Oakland I think USPA would be like yeah all right sweet it's a pretty sweet comparison better than the Cowboys people just hate yeah. the Cowboys they just hate them. no matter if they're good or not people just hate them yeah. Well, I mean, that was like the demanded one. So even though like Oakland, maybe that was better. So, someone needed to be the Cowboys because it was just so demanding. Because if you skipped over them, that's America's team. That was just gonna, that was going to be outrage. Yeah, for sure. And that's that's another detriment to the Cowboys. They're especially all your you got probably plenty of Texas fans down there too. Yeah, but they all hate the like. I only know like two Cowboys. They all hate the Cowboys. <laughs> they, they all like they're all Houston. They're like Houston Texans fans, and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, man, none of them like the Cowboys. Yeah, and that makes sense. I guess Houston's kind of the USAPL area. Dallas and San Antonio, they have them, but not nearly to the – Houston's kind of like that mecca there. Yeah, I mean, like, I have a few – I mean, actually, there's one, Abe. My buddy my buddy Abe. Shout-out, Abe. You're, he's he's a Cowboys fan. Everyone else is in Texas. Fuck the Cowboys, and they hate them. So, I'm like, all right, well, I guess. But people, people wanted me to put them on there just so I could bash either a coach or the Cowboys. Yeah, because people wanted that, so um, I'm, I'm glad to kind of do that in a way. 
Maybe, maybe people were disappointed with that one. But that will do it. Um, hopefully we get some more ideas for uh, for some other sports. I was, thinking, I was thinking something for collegiate teams. Yeah. Um, not necessarily a comparison, but maybe like you could do, you could do like an AP top 10. <laughs> Cause uh, I, don't, I don't think, I don't think, uh, coaching rankings. Yeah. I don't, I don't yeah, think yeah, they I have enough teams. Rankings, power rankings. Yeah. Because people were like, you should have this team be the Alabama. I'm like, well, what would I do for LSU? They're a good powerlifting team and they're literally LSU. Yeah. Like I can't, LSU is like Florida state. Like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> LSU would kind of have to be LSU, just in the sense of not confusing everyone. But I think, I think there's some potential there. All right, well, that's going to do it for Two White Lights. We'll see you guys next week. Peace. What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights, first episode of 2021. And we started off on a good note because I had one of my favorite people, Steve DeNovi, on the podcast and we broke down the ever-so-popular football team comparisons. We compared 11 football teams to current powerlifting coaches and teams, and it was a lot of fun to record this episode. Anytime I get to discuss two of the things I love most in this world, powerlifting and football, I'm going to have a fantastic time. And this was Steve DeNovi's brainchild, so I have to give him a lot of credit because a lot of this was his idea, and of course I had to have him on Two White Lights to discuss it. If you guys don't follow Two White Lights on Instagram, that's where you're going to see all the football team comparisons we did, the explanations, the comment section, which got insane. The comment sections got pretty spicy, offended some people, you know, who would have thought with Two White Lights. Uh, Also, just had a lot of great back and forth with these football team comparisons. So, again, this was really fun to do. Check out Two White Lights. Get used to this type of content because we are going to be turning out content very similar to this. And also... Get used to listening to Steve Denobi because a big announcement could be coming with Steve. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Also, we got another big announcement with Leflar Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure you are following Leflar Bros Apparel and make sure you are going to their website, checking out their merchandise, looking at their designs. Everything symbolizes strength training in some way. I love their designs. They're unique. They're pretty. And also, you can save some money if you use promo code 2 wl 15. That's right. Leave 2WL10 in 2020 where it belongs because we got 2WL15 saving you more money on whatever it is you desire to purchase on Leflar Bros. And if you don't believe us, right now, stop what you're doing. Go to leflarbros.com. Buy whatever you like because everything they release is going to make you happy in some way, shape, or form. And use that promo code 2WL15 and watch you save some money. Watch yourself literally save money in front of your own eyes if you use that promo code 2WL15 and be on the lookout for more designs because the merch they've been dropping, I I, I cannot express to you how much I love it. So be sure to go on leftlarbros.com, use that new promo code to save yourself some money. Also, go to rivalist.net, use promo code ANGELO15 and get yourself some informed choice supplements that green check mark is very important for all you natty guys in the USAPL. Don't want to pop a drug test, getting some tainted ass pre-workout. We are informed choice supplements. Use that promo code ANGEL15 and save yourself some money. Also, go to lift.net. I only use Stoic Gear out on the platform. They just released the white label and the green label. And people love those designs, especially the white label. I know I love them. 
and you can save some money if you use that promo code Angelope10. And also be on the lookout because there may be some more colors coming soon from Stoic. I'm pretty excited to see the developments there. But yes, yeah, Stoic, use that promo code Angelo10. Make yourself look like Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 12 when he went in through the rafters. That's what I'm trying to do for my next meet. Some people compare me to the White Power Ranger. I'll also take that comparison. But use that promo code Angelo10, save 10%. Also, Notorious Lift, remember to follow them on Instagram. They release so many different designs and colors with their deadlift slippers no slip grip is a real thing i love using them on bench press and deadlift and you have to follow notorious lift on instagram because they give you information on when they drop certain designs or slippers you can't just go on notorious lift and purchase whatever you want it just doesn't work that way you got to go and be on the lookout for those drops and they do it more frequently than people think they just released the best of 2020 and the highest sellers, they redid it, and people purchased, you know, the um, the avalanche and the uh, breast cancer, the pink ones, the pink slippers. So be sure you guys go on Notorious Lift, their Instagram page, follow them, and be sure to look out for those drops because they are important. Also, visit TwoWhiteLights.com and subscribe on iTunes. Leave a five-star rating, leave a review. Those are important, and also we are on Spotify as well. And without further ado, here it is, Two White Lights.